Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your car United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. It's four games without a goal as United go down to a narrow defeat at Leighton Orient. Are the wheels in danger of coming off? We review the defeat in East London. Oh, f- Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Beagle, the number one place to get your Kainite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. It's four games without a goal as United go down to a narrow defeat at Lane Orient. Are the wheels in danger of coming off? We review the defeat in East London before looking ahead to the Easter weekend doubleheader against Tranmere and Walsall. Oh, it, 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 there's a danger of the blip turning into a real slump, isn't there, Mike? It's yeah, it's just starting to get a little bit worrying. But despite that, I'm feeling optimistic going into this weekend's game. You know? Yeah, I think you know. I think we're due with turning around, turning it around, and hopefully turn it around in style in front of a big crowd. Yeah, that, that's, well, we'll, we'll get onto that more in a minute. But um, yeah, how are you doing, mate? Did you, did you manage to catch last weekend's game? Uh, n- well, no, actually, I uh, I was in work and I was in a place where I couldn't get Radio Cumbria signal, which uh, mm. I don't think was too bad uh, in the grand scheme of things. But it's one of them. One, it? it's always going to be difficult going away to top of the league. It's just fine margins letting us down again. I think we always thought this run of four games was going to be tough, didn't we? And, it, and yeah. it's it's proved to be right, really, in the end. And We'll, we'll we'll talk about the uh, the Orient game shortly, but there's you know there's there's factors to take into account in there, but there's things also that the, the team can do better. I think it's fair to say. Um, right, uh, all the usual stuff today. We've got a, a very very brief news uh, roundup. Uh, we'll have the loan watch followed by the review of the late Orient game, and then looking ahead to the Easter weekend doubleheader against Tranmere and Walsall. Then obviously the X Files section. At the end obviously Dan's not with us this week. He's busy working. Um, I understand he might be missing a bit of the game tomorrow as well, possibly because he's having to work, which is very frustrating. I think it's fair to say. But um, but yeah, so let, let's get into it then. Before we get started, we want to talk about the fact who obviously sponsors the podcast this season, and also where you can find the podcast on all the apps and that kind of thing, and how you can get in contact with us. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Cal United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters games and fundraising for the club. This season they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for The Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. 
You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the communes.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, Bugle at gmail.com. Right then, Mike, let's get into it. News section first. As I said, there's not really a huge amount to cover in terms of actual news this week. Um, just to, I mean... We'll do a very brief update on 10 pun to get in the grun, um, the big promotion for this weekend's game. We'll talk a bit more in detail about that when we actually preview the Tranmere game. But sales have topped 11k now, haven't they? For yeah. home fans, at least, as well. I mean, away fans have sold about 600, they think. So, yeah. Uh, which which is a terrific effort, to be fair, because they're having a yeah. dreadful season, Tranmere, aren't they? So, yeah. Well, and obviously the news today, the opening up the waterworks end. Yes, that, that, now that is exciting as well. And I've mm. seen a lot of people very jealous about that, that they've already got a ticket for the game. They're all like, oh, can I swap a panic ticket for the waterworks, please? Because mm. they've never been in there. And Have you ever been in it? I've not been in there to watch a game, mm. no. No, I've That's never been a, in there. I've been in the Warwick end, I've been in the East Stand, I've been in the Paddock, and I've been in, I think... For four of the lettered stands, you know, the main stand ones. Mm. I haven't been in the A stand, I don't think. I might be wrong with that. I might actually have done that. But um but yeah, so I've done I've done all those. It's it's the one left really for me to do. But I do know some people who are potentially looking at, you know, seeing if they can come up last minute just so they can go in there. And there's a few people I know are travelling up for who are looking to swap their tickets too. So very exciting stuff. But yeah, we'll t- we'll talk about that more um in the uh preview uh section. I mean for those who are interested anyway, basically the ten pound tickets just that's the main thing, isn't it? And they're gonna be on sale on the day with no price increase. So mm-hmm. very exciting. And uh, the only other bit of news is the barrow tickets, uh, and it's the update, is that they've sold out in, in yeah. two and a half hours. Uh, it's always all, gonna happen, won't it? All six hundred and forty tickets have sold out. Um no major surprise there. I'm, I'm very grateful I managed to get mine. I mean, if we hadn't been going for pro- promotion or anything like that, I probably wouldn't have bothered because last season's experience it's not a great place to watch football, and that, that's not. I'm not talking about the town itself there. Although some, some people probably would say <laughs> that. I'm talking about the away end. It, it's it's diabolical, and and they know that. To be fair, I know they're doing work on it this summer to improve it. So, be interesting to see what it's like. And I mean, in the nicest way possible, uh, unless they're coming up through the playoffs and we go up automatically. I hope it's not <laughs> next season that we get to see it. But uh, mm. but there you go. So yeah, 640 tickets all stepped up and. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a, there was a warning from the club about not buying tickets for the for the home end, um, which I imagine some people won't take into account. Probably, and I know a few people who have already sorted themselves tickets. So as long as they behave themselves and uh, don't get too excited when we're knocking our third, then yeah. <laughs> well, they stand out like sore thumbs if they've got all their teeth together. So, <laughs> oh come on, Michael, come on. <laughs> let's be fair here. Right, loan watch. Let's let's have a quick bash through that then. Uh, Max Killsby and Annan, um, another great week for them. and uh, They picked up a 1-0 win at playoff rivals East Fife, thanks to a 90th minute strike. I mean, that must have been exciting for them. I bet. Uh, another full 90 minutes for Max as well. He's closing in on 30 first-team appearances. This is 29th. Only one of them is a sub as well, so fair play to the lad. He really has pinned down a place in a team that's doing well this season as well, hasn't he? So mm. that's encouraging. And it, it's one of those ones, isn't it, with, with contract decisions coming up fairly soon. Obviously, depending on playoffs and things like that, it might be a bit longer for us, but I think he's given himself the best possible chance to earn a deal for next season, hasn't he? Because yeah. it's an area where we're so well-stocked currently that going out on loan and playing games is always going to be the best thing for him, wasn't it, really? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, well, you know, he's, he's not he's notched four goals this season mm. from sort of left-back, centre-back, which is impressive 
you know, at any level, really. Um, and, I mean, for contrast, uh, I'm trying to see how many Moxon bagged last season at that level, but I think it was a similar sort of amount. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think he was he had a slightly different role at, um, at Annan when he was yeah, there. Yeah, he was Moxon. kind of playing as a sort of deeper line midfielder, yeah. wasn't he? But, you know, that's still higher up the pitch than a, than a centre-back or left-back. True, very true indeed. There you go. And he, did, he did take all the set pieces again, and I think. To be yeah. Fair, so there you go. Um, it it it's so tight though at the top in in the Scottish League too. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it basically leaves Annan in third on forty four points, but then you've got Forfar who are fourth <laughs> on forty four points. <laughs> all the fours there, isn't it? Mm. Um, but they've got a minus three goal difference compared to Annan's plus seven. Then you've got East Fife in fifth on forty three points. <laughs> God almighty, this is a tongue twist, isn't it? And then Stenhouse Muir are in sixth place on 42 points, but with a game in hand on all the teams above them. I How is Stenhouse Muir the easiest thing to say of all of the things it's, that you've just said? Ridiculous, isn't it? Really? <laughs> I don't know, who, who on earth's playing silly beggars with me there? But there you go. I'm just going to quickly check. They might have played a game in midweek, like that game in midweek at Stenhouse Muir, because it, it's very hard to keep up the Scottish League. So they all, all, someone seems to have a, a game in hand all the time. Mm. Um, and look, at actually, it was Sterling Albion. Played a game in midweek against Elgin City, which they won. So I think, if I'm right, that leaves Sterling Albion well clear at the top now. So eight points clear. So they're going to go up. So basically, to to battle to stay in the playoffs, run and um, and uh, they've got a mouthwatering tie this Saturday. They're at home against second place Dumbarton. So if you've if you've enjoyed your football fix at Brunton Park on the Friday and you fancy another one, get yourself just over the border to Allen. And get a chance to see what Max is up to there and and, and Peter Murphy's side. You know, that I'm sure they'll appreciate a big crowd against second place Dunbarton. And yeah, that's a big, big game for them. So mm. all the best to Alan this weekend. Uh, not quite so far over the border. Things are not going very well for Greta, really, are they? Greta no. 2008. Uh, second 3-0 defeat on the road uh, in, a, in a row. Uh, this time at East Kilbride. Uh, it leaves them firmly rooted in third bottom place, seven points behind East Stirlingshire in the position above. I think we'll have to get Jeff Jackson, who listens regularly to the pod, to give us a bit of an update on what the situation is in terms of relegation from lower league this season. I'm not sure. I think it's slightly different with them. I think it might be based on ground criteria in the division above and people applying or something like that, but he'll know better than that. He's actually got an update for us on Clayton Moore later on, so I will share that with you shortly. Um... Lewis played the full 90 again. That's his 30th appearance of the season. He got five goals for them. Yeah, not not, not going going great for them. But again, we, we keep saying it. It's good experience for Lewis, isn't it, really? Then that's the key thing, making sure he gets plenty of game time because he's had a, a couple of years where he's, you know, illness and injury have really blighted his time, haven't they? So yeah. hopefully that's going to really help him uh, get himself into a good shape at the, at the very least for the summer. Um, Sam Fishburne, two more appearances for Sam. Uh, Morpeth, their struggles continue though. Uh, first up was a 1-0 home defeat to FC United of Manchester at the weekend. Sam got the final 13 minutes in that. And that was followed up by a 1-0 loss at Bamba Bridge where he played the full 90. Um, over the Easter weekend, they faced a trip to Hyde United on Good Friday, followed by a home tie with Mask United on Easter Monday. I don't think they're doing particularly well, Morpeth. I, th- I think they're just about safe from relegation. I think the teams below them are struggling a bit too much, so... They should be fine, but but yeah, it, it it's not going well. I think it's fair to say so. Yeah, yeah, not really great for them. Um, right, Kai Nugent, uh, he made his eighth appearance uh, for Workington at the weekend, but it was disappointing for that week. Uh, disappointing Saturday for them. They went down to a one nil defeat to uh, Strugglers Witness. 
Nugent came off in the second half in that game. I think the score was still nil-nil at that point, though. They still need one point to secure a playoff place with four games to go, but with the three teams below them being 11 and 12 points behind, um, it, it, it's pretty much secured. I mean, their goal difference is way better as well. So, mm. uh, In fact, actually, this weekend, they can actually um, do it at Borough Park because on Saturday, they place one of the teams that's chasing them, and that's Witten Albion. So if they win that game, that's playoff secured, basically. So avoid defeating that. They'll, they'll be fine. Um, Dan Hill and Cleeter Moore. Um, it was dramatic scenes for him and his uh, Cleeter Moore teammates. They grabbed an equalise in the seventh minute of injury time and a 2-2 draw at home with Ashton United. Well, I think we're down to 10 men at that point as well. So uh, great result for them in terms of that. Uh, they're still firmly bottom of the league, but not officially relegated yet. Now, Jeff Jackson... Who, uh, if Carla fans might not know, if, when you come into the East Stand and the, the bit where the junction is at the road, he's the program seller there. So give give Jeff a good uh, shout out if you see him at the game on on Friday. Um, he's a, an expert in all things non-league. Basically, he, he could tell you anything you wanted, and the Scottish lower leagues. Um, and what he's done is he's explained what will happen with Cleeter. So basically, if Cleeter finish bottom, they will be relegated unless there's not enough clubs coming up with a suitable ground. And Jeff thinks there is this year. So if they were relegated, they would go into the Wearside League, where they were before they were promoted in 2018, uh, where Windscales, the Edmund-based team, are, or the West Lanx League, where Whitehaven plays. So it's up to them which one they want to go into. I think I'm pretty sure they'll probably go to the Wearside again. It's a weird one with Cumbria because they get to pick between the two, don't they? Mm. Um, I think with six games left, they will officially relegated if they lose on the Saturday. Um so yeah, I think that was uh, that was last weekend actually. So so basically, because they haven't, they sh- they're still okay at the moment. But I mean, they're going down basically. It's just the reality of it. They're, they're too far behind now. And I do understand Lewis Boyd actually might have played for Carlisle City again another couple of games. We've lost track of the number of games he played because he came back to us for a bit and now he's gone back out again because he didn't play for the youth team the other day. I noticed that Gabe Breeze actually was in nets for the youth team because we're allowed to have I think one. Overage playing this. I think Jack Ellis did it the other week, I seem mm. to remember. So Gabe Breeze was in at the weekend to get a bit of game time because obviously he's not been able to get out on loan, unfortunately, this season, uh, other than the brief spell he had a witness. Um, so there you go. Right, uh, enough warbling. Like, it's time to talk about the game. Late mm. 1, Cali 9 Um a much improved performance compared to the Gillian game, wasn't it, really? that that That's one of the key takes I think I took from this and it's kind of, you've got to check yourself in your head and remind yourself that these guys are top for a reason and they've been top the whole season mm. for a good reason, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was relatively fine margins again against them, which is a bit frustrating and it's not exactly what we need mm. in the little run that we're on right now, but you know, we'll just have to pick ourselves up and, and go again without wanting to sound too cliched. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, Mike. I, I, I think... As I said in the introduction at the start there, we always looked at this run of four games and thought it was going to be tough. Even allowing for Gillingham being near the bottom, they've improved so much since the turn of the year. It's more like playing a mid-table team that's pushing for the playoffs, really, than a team that's struggling down at the bottom, isn't it, really? So mm. we had to allow for that. Three away games in a row as well, long journeys. It, it, there's issues taking account. Yes, we we should have played better than there should be a little bit more belief in the way we're playing really than we're showing right now. But there was encouraging signs in there, and and 
you just don't want to get too down high because there's only seven games to go. We, we've, we've got to believe that we can do it still. And mm. yes, it, it 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 is in Northampton's hands now because they've got that four point lead over us rather than the, the three point lead that they had. So it, it's it's frustrating in that sense that even if we beat them, technically they can still stay ahead of us. But but then I look around and I think to myself, we'll talk about it later. Stephen is this weekend. I've got to play. I think at Hartlepool and Crawley. Mm. And I don't think that's particularly easy, <laughs> you know, because... No. This is the time of year where them sorts of teams pluck results out of nowhere. I mean, Hart- Hartlepool, the difference in Hartlepool since John Askey's taken over seems to be incredible. Mm. It shows you what an absolute shit show of a job that Curl had done there, <laughs> doesn't it? Because Askey's mm. come in and within a few games, he's got them looking organised in a semblance of a team. You know, it's just, it's just a bit of bad luck that Crawley picked up form at the same time as them. But there you go. Um, enough talking about that, though. Let, let's talk about this game then. So, um, yeah, team selection-wise, uh, there was the return of uh, Finn Back and Paul Huntington in place of Senior and Barkley, and that was a huge boost. And uh, Simo also opted to recall Dennis to the attack and McCallman to the midfield for Garner and Gordon. Uh, the only surprise, really, was uh, Jamie Devitt coming onto the bench as well. A little bit of a change there, maybe, to... Add a bit more creativity to the options. Um, he he basically took Gordon's place on the bench, effectively, didn't he? He wasn't even in the match day squad, which was a bit of a surprise because I think you had him down to score a goal in that game. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure you were delighted with somewhere when you saw that. But there, uh, that's just rotten luck, isn't it? I mean, were you. What was your thoughts when you saw the team? Were you particularly surprised, maybe? Or. I mean, I think we kind of expected those two to come back into defence, didn't we? Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say surprised. Uh, no, I mean it's one of them. It's obviously disappointing. Um, yeah, with the, some of the injuries that happened during the game, which you know really disrupted us, and and not only dis- sort of disrupted us in the first half, but in the second half we didn't have a lot of changes that we could have made to maybe impact the game. Well, because of the ridiculous rules and the way they're done. There's the new rule since they brought in the five subs thing is you, not including the half-time period. You're only allowed three substitution windows, but you mm. can make five subs in total. But that includes the whole game. So I, I always thought it was just for the second half, which would make more sense because mm. if you're making first half subs, you're not doing it to time waste. Yeah, You're doing it because you've got injuries or issues. So I always thought it's better to do that, say, you know, from the second half onward, you've only got three windows. Mm. But... As it was, we made two. Had to make two substitutions in the first half, which meant we only had one window left in the second half, didn't we? Yeah. Plus half time, if we'd have really wanted to. But yeah, and there was a little bit of a concern about Moxon going into the half time break, wasn't there? But that was thankfully unfounded. Mm. Um, so yeah, it it, it it was kind of it, it was frustrating. Like you said, that it disrupted the rhythm. Those injuries, didn't it? And I mean. Looking at first half incidents, the first one you've talked about is one of those injuries, and that's Morgan Feeney going after after seven minutes. Mm. Now, I was busy doing a few jobs around the house, so I didn't manage to get to listen to the start of the game. And the first thing I heard was on Ben Barkley stripped off, ready to come on. I was thinking, he has only seven minutes in. What's going on here? Mm. My worry was it was Huntington, and then when I heard it was Feeney, I was like, oh, that's just such a isn't it? Really, you know, you get one defender back, the one goes out, and. Barkley has to come back in. We know Barkley's an able replacement. He can come in and, and do a decent job. And that, that was, you know, pleasing to see him come in and do okay. It, it, it's a shame we'll talk about what the, the outcome of that injury to to Feeney shortly. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I mean, 
we caused a few problems in the first half, didn't we? I mean, particularly down the right, Finn Back was getting up really up well up the pitch and linking up with McCallum at the first time that they played together. Mm-hmm. And that was really good to see, wasn't it, really? that Just a little bit of decision-making in there. That there's one chance where I think Back does... It's the one where Back does the, um, the underlap and um, he's picked out McCallum, but he could have pulled it back to Moxon. Moxon was pretty much on the penalty spot, totally unmarked, chance to get a shot away. But he took one more up touch got to the byline and got blocked and it went out for a corner and you just think that's probably where if Finn Bach's played four or five games and got himself back up to Sharton as he picks him out there doesn't he yeah definitely and it's not the first time that decision making in the final third has been letting us down lately uh, and it's something that I think if Jamie Devitt was to get some time in the team it's something that he's generally pretty good at yeah he generally picks his passing you know, he, he moves the ball quicker as well it's one thing where Simo actually did say in his post he's pretty much comes from the Tramway game. He said that one of the issues he's got is that we're being a bit too slow to make mm. that final pass, to make that final decision. And that's one thing. And when you watch when Devitt plays, he's very quick to, to move the ball quickly. He doesn't mess about with it. He, he keeps it ticking over, doesn't he? So that's why I, we'll talk later about what we think we'll, we, the team should be for the for the other game. But that's why I'd be tempted to, to involve him in that game. But there you go. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's a few over efforts. I mean, there was one... Chance that Holy blocked some close range, I think, and then a shot that went over. And then uh, Finn Back sat himself down, didn't he? And, mm. and just at that point, you were just like, oh, come on, this, this this just isn't fair, is it? The curse of the right wing back continues this season, doesn't it? It's just one thing after another. <laughs> and uh, I hate to say it, but it, it looks like Finn Back's hamstrings are a little bit cursed at the moment, isn't it? Because we found out after the game, it, it was the other hamstring, wasn't it? Yeah. And, you know, Forrest had said he can play 70 minutes, so it's not yeah. like we brought him back too soon or anything like that. The plan, the it, plan was always to put Barkley or um, Gibson on that wing, wasn't it, later on in yeah. the game? So, yeah, it's, it's just rotten luck, isn't it? Uh, and it's a shame for him because uh, I think the loan spell was doing him a lot of good and I think he could have been looking at maybe Championship, certainly League One at the very least next season. And it just hinders him that little bit in his personal development as well. But from our viewpoint, it might help us in that he hasn't quite fully developed yet. If we're in League One next season, could we get him back for another full season, possibly? Maybe, maybe. We've seen in the past, you know, when Ben Marshall came back for a full season and things like that, and Liam Noble, so you never... I'm just fingers crossed here, because I'd love to see him come back, because I think he's a terrific player. Really, yeah, really definitely. I think he'd be a great addition, even at that level. Uh, only one more chance for half-time, as Jordan Gibson, you know, continued our run of not being able to get a direct free kick on target. I made a bit harsh there because it actually <laughs> it was a half decent strike that only just went wide of the post mm. a little bit the other way, and it's you know heading towards the top corner. Although Vigory might have got a hand to it, I think he was getting across. But um, yeah, so that was it. Going into half time, you frustrate with the two injuries, but you're looking and thinking, okay, this is fine. You know, we're not looking like we're going to concede. We're keeping it fairly tight. It's, it's not too bad. Um, into the second half, I think we kind of anticipated already we're going to come out a little bit stronger, weren't they, and mm-hmm. have a bit of a go. And they did, you know, they had their chances, you know, that they caused a few problems. Um, you know, there was a, a, a brilliant save from Holy. I don't know if you've seen this one, particularly the view from the uh, pit side blues for this is he, to get his hand down that low and quick to save it was fantastic. It was really good. No, do you know what? I, did, I didn't see it. Um, I, I couldn't watch pit side blues this week. They, they've been like dubbing crowd noise. Yeah. Over it. 
And it, it was unwatchable for me. I, I just couldn't. The crowd noise was only on for the first like minute or two of the oh, okay. actual match action. Later on into the second half match, match action, they hadn't put it on. I agree with you. I found it very hard to watch. It was really off-putting and just... I wanted to hear the players coming in, you know, in the tunnel mm-hmm. when they park up the bus and stuff like that, but you, you couldn't really hear any of it. I don't know if that's because there's a few naughty words in there they don't want to dub out or something, but Maybe. I'd, I'd, I'd rather hear some music over it than that, to be honest. It just, it just doesn't doesn't quite work for me, but they, that's no. just our opinion, isn't it? Um, but yeah, brilliant save by Hurley. Um, yeah, there was a few of us of scuffed chances for them. Huntington put in a brilliant tackle on Smith, which bizarrely they were claiming for a penalty. I don't know why. Um and then came the own goal, and I mean, when you when when you look down, it, it's down, isn't it? It just yeah. what can you do about something like this? So basically, uh, Satorio has just come on as a sub, cuts in from the left onto his stronger right foot, hits a shot that's going well wide. It hits, I think, I think it's Huntington. It hits or Barkley. I think one of the two of them bounces off him. Bounces off another player and then comes at such a pace towards Mellish. He just he doesn't even really stick a knee out of it, does he? Mm. It almost it just sort of hits his knee, flies in completely the opposite direction to where Hurley's put all his weight to go and claim the ball. And yeah, it's one of those ones. If it if it hit Mellish's knee just directly, I think Hurley might have got to it. But because it had taken those two flicks and Holy had already put all his weight the other way. He didn't have a chance, did he? And it flew right over his head and into the net. That's the thing. And it, it kind of sums up our look at the minute, really, is, you know, the ball sort of pings and goes in the net. And I'm not blaming Mellish for it. I'm not no, blaming no. Holy for it either. But when things are going well for you, that ball will sort of ping to McCalman or someone who's like three on three in their third. Do you know what I mean? And it, it, it just wasn't wasn't to be for us and you know we'll touch on it in a bit but well in fact may as well touch on it now actually the the Mellish chance well no we'll, we'll talk about the red card first just, just ah, yeah. That. yeah yeah so go on the red literally card. obviously the, the the goal came on 73 minutes four minutes later already down to 10 men um Charlie Kelman sent off for a second booking I don't think you could argue much with this could he I don't think he really did to well, be on the day. for me the only controversial thing about that because they're all arguing about it they're yeah. all saying oh no you know the only controversial thing for me I think it should have been a straight red I, I don't think th- it should have been a second yellow I, I mean to be honest considering that Melich was fouled for a red card against them last season it wasn't much better than the one he, the lad got straight red for last year mm. which was a really bad tackle and I, I it, it, like he's gone for his ankle when the ball's well gone really really nasty There's little challenge zero need to do it like zero yeah. need whatsoever yeah Absolutely, he's not getting to the ball, so why do you even do that? And he got a stupid booking in the first half, didn't he, as well? for, for Basically, Armour was going to get booked for the foul on Swift. There's no argument with that. Armour didn't argue about it. And he came up all pushing and shoving everybody and mm. just getting involved for no reason. And <laughs> you do wonder with football sometimes, you know, like, what, what are you gaining from doing this? Yeah. Nothing, nothing at all. So just, just bizarre behaviour, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about Menace's chance to make amends. Now, he got a lot of stick for this at the time. And there was a lot of things saying, you know, and, and James Phillips, he hasn't got the benefit of an action replay, we should mm. say. He felt, you know, he completely fluffed it up. He, you know, complete mess up. He should be scoring from there. What happens is their player plays a back pass. Two defenders leave it. And Mellish being like John, like, you know, a dog running after, you know, a ball, 
chases after it, gets in, nicks around the goalkeeper, and then tries to put it into the net, but he can't sort out of his feet, and the defender clears off the line. Actually, when you watch back the replays, and especially when you watch the pitch side blues stuff back, it's a brilliant hand from the goalkeeper, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because you watch what he does, he palms it. Instead of palming it sort of forward into a path where John could have slid onto it, he palms it right into to Mellish's legs, into his knee almost. Mm. And the result is, because John is going at full pelt, he can't get out of his feet in time. He just he does as much as he can and tries to direct it towards goal. And you can see Callum Guy is very angry on the full, you know, the main mm. uh, footage thing. But I think when Guy looks back, he'll probably look and think, he's done as much as he can there. Yeah. <laughs> the, the most he could have done was maybe take another touch, but then by then you might have had two defenders back on the line to, to block it. Mm. So I, I think it'd be harsh to blame John for that, really. I, I feel like he he's created the chance out of nothing there, really, so he deserves the credit for that. But Vigor is such a good goalkeeper. I mean, he, I was so impressed with his footwork as well in this yeah, game. His definitely. kicking's fantastic. A really, really good goalkeeper at this level. So, yeah, really, really gutting, really, to not see that going because that would have been a great little redemption moment. And I feel like if that had gone in, we might even go on to win the game. Yeah. Our heads would have been up at that point. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like that dead to that conference a little bit more. I think, oh, we can't even score that. What can we do? And what yeah. I would say, actually, is when you watch the, the replay back, both the main footage and especially the, the pitch side blues one, John could have gone down under the challenge from the defender just before he gets to the goalkeeper. Yeah, but just, would it have been given? I think it would because he's, he's through on goal. And, and the problem with that is, I think it's just outside the box. If it's just outside the box, that's a straight red card for denying a goal scoring opportunity. You know, it's, it's the, basically that, that's the way the rule works. But if the ref gives a penalty then the defender only gets a booking because of the double jeopardy rule now, don't they? Because mm. they've made an attempt to get to the ball. I mean, it's calling it an attempt a bit of a stretch, but that's what the, the argument would be. So you'd have you'd have to balance out what would happen there potentially, wouldn't you, I guess? So um, so yeah, it's one of those ones, and I, I, I don't really blame John because he's got every chance to get around the keeper there and fair play to Vigory. He's done brilliantly to, to limit it. And then only one more chance later after that was um, Gibson had a left foot shot that was quite well saved by um, Vigory then sort of got the loose ball as well um, and yeah that was it and it, it, it's it's weird because I was kind of like I'm deflated by the result but not deflated by the performance I feel slightly encouraged by it, mm. I, it just because it's it was if we played as bad as we did against Gillingham I'd be worried but we didn't did we no ex- exactly and we've got a big home game now to bounce back from it it's not like the Gillingham game where the opportunity to bounce back from it was late in Orient away, which is always going to be difficult. Yeah. Arguably the toughest game of the season, that one, isn't yeah. it, really? And we've, we've come out of it with a narrow defeat, basically, thanks to an own goal that's come off a player's knee. So, you know, you've you got to take the positives from that section of it, I guess. There you go. Um, right, we've got a six-second review this week. We haven't had one of these for a little while. But um, this week's uh, review is from the brilliantly named Oscar Snowball. Um, I... I'm presuming that is your real name, Oscar. You, you you emailed it in. Thank you very much for sending it in. Anyone who wants to contribute, bluntandbugle at gmail.com. If you just do a little recording on your WhatsApp, uh, sorry, on your you know voice notes or whatever on the iPhone or on uh, your Android phone, email it in to us and we'll, we'll we'll try to include it. Keep it to 60 seconds. Um, yeah, brilliant names, Oscar Snowball. Kind of sounds like, you know when um, Bob Mortimer goes and would I lie to you? And he's got all the made-up names. It kind of sounds like one of them, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't know, like... Johnny Hailstone or something like that. <laughs> or uh, I'm trying to think what other weather thing, you know. Um, 
I don't know, Mikey Rainman or something like that, you know, I don't know. But there you go. Anyway, right, before, I, I sound like I'm taking the piss out of Oscar's name that I'm not. I, I do <laughs> apologise. I hope he's enjoying this bit. Anyway, before I ramble anymore, here's Oscar's six second review. Hi, Lee and the lads. Um, disappointing result, not a disappointing performance. Um, Orient are, as is quite obvious, given their league position, brilliant. They're the best in the league by a mile um, and we would have had to have been at our absolute best to have to have beaten them. Um, the way they play out from the back, their style, yes, it meant that for 90 minutes all of us fans were on the edge of our seats because you're constantly waiting for them to make a mistake, a mistake so you're in, but they just don't make a mistake. The amount of dodgy keep passes their keeper got... Figure out, and he just—he's quality. They didn't make a mistake, and what it—what it eventually, obviously, means is they're tiring out our players, and it showed in the second half. Mox and Guy, Alfie as well. You could see Dennis getting frustrated up front because we just couldn't cope. We were chasing shadows, so it worked. You can see why they won one, why they win one nil too often, so often because they do that all throughout the game. They tire the opposition, and then one pass goes through, and they're in. Uh, obviously, their goal was very, very lucky. If you watch it back, it's so lucky but they probably did deserve it in the end. Um, obviously, you can't ignore the defensive injuries. I mean, you can't foresee. You know, both our defenders on the right-hand side ending up um, as being substitutes with by 35 minutes in. Um, and it showed as well. You could tell when Gibson and Barkley were next to each other on that right-hand side. There was often a spare-orient man out there and you could see Barkley and Gibson arguing. No one really knew who to mark him. And again, can't blame anyone for that. Um, in terms of Carlisle players, thought Holy, I mean, the last few weeks, he probably deserved another clean sheet today. Last few weeks, he's been amazing. Silences critics, that saved down to the right-hand post. Um, from our angle, you know, all, all, from our section... From the section we were in, it looked looked like a goal. Um, so what an amazing save. McCalmont in that first half was our best player by a mile. Um, he was all over the shop. I think it's definitely a mistake to have dropped him against um, against Gillingham. And I, and I can... I can't see him not playing for the rest of the season. Um, and Mellish again was brilliant um, at the back, and obviously we forgive him for his miss. What a man! Um, great support as always, and shout out to my dad, who's a big fan of the pod. Uh, come on, you Blues! Brilliant stuff. Thanks for that, Oscar. First time he's done one. Re- really good. Get them sent in for the next ones uh, that you're able to do as well. I'm presuming you'll be doing the uh, the Sutton game. Hopefully, so maybe we'll have a, a promotion celebration special. Maybe we should have yeah. like maybe okay. have like half an hour of six second reviews of people just. <laughs> Uh, basically sending with Regan saying shag is shag it's as simple as that basically and uh, that, that's the praying what we're praying for isn't it for that one uh, I yeah, think that's definitely. a fair assessment that Mike do you, do you say yeah definitely uh, it's it good it's uh, it's in depth uh, obviously you know we weren't there he could be talking absolute baloney <laughs> but no it's uh, yeah uh, it's more it's likely good. to be us talking baloney isn't it because we weren't there well so. yeah to be fair yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah no I mean, I mean it was sort of echoing our sort of positive sentiments yeah. that you know, not every defeat has to has to be negative, really. No, absolutely, and I think he makes the really he agreed with our point on Vigaru, didn't he? You know how good he is. Of yeah, you know you, you can play a stinker of a pass back to him, and he'll he'll get it on. And he totally does that, but it's the accuracy of what he does, and he generally picks out a man as well, Vigaru, which is you know. Yeah, I mean, we said in the pre-match preview for this one that I don't know how he's still playing in this league. To be yeah, honest, it's well, his 23rd clean sheet of the season, basically. So yeah, more than half the games this season, he's probably going to be keeping clean sheets, which is. Remarkable, really, isn't it? And we're impressed with Hurley getting what sixteen. <laughs> you know, yeah, so it, it just just shows goes to show how good he is as well. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, let's go through some of the talking points I've got written down there, Mike. Um, yeah, the main point was better performance, same result, isn't it? You know, it's no doubt that much improved performance by United against a team, you know, the best team in the division. But luck just wasn't on our side. But then again, there's an argument you've. You've got to make your own look, and I suppose the the one downside is only two shots on target all game. One of those was the Gibson chance. In fact, the two chances that from off the top of my head would be the Gibson chance 
at the end and Mellish is one that was cleared off the line. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't like to look at shots on target that much particularly um, because it, it can be misleading. You know, a two-mile-an-hour yeah. P-roller into the keeper's hands, you know, it is apparently better than one that hits the bar. You know, it, it, I, I don't really agree with it. And, and likewise, you know, there can be chances that aren't shots on goal. You can have a, a fizzing cross that goes across a six-yard box that someone well, is an inch away from getting the toe on, you know. But, well, I was just going to say, you yeah. know, seven shots away at Orient, it's not bad altogether. Yeah. You, you know, I think there'd be a lot of teams that won't even get that, so... Yeah, and no, to be honest, I've just thinking off the top of my head, actually, technically, I think we've had three shots on target in that game because there was that one other chance there where um, McC- uh, Back and McCalmont linked up really well and McCalmont played that low ball in that Dennis flicked towards goal that was blocked. And I don't think that was counted as a shot on target. It probably should have mm. been, really. It would, would have been a really clever goal if it had gone in. So, yeah, it's a little bit of an unfair one, really, to say that we only had two in that sense. But, uh, but there you go. I mean, first question I've put here, what, what has gone wrong in these four games? I mean, as we said at the intro, the blip is in danger of becoming a slump. Um, I think there's things you can allow for in that. Um, as we said, you know, we just have three tough away trips in a row. Two of those long journeys all the way down to London, two weeks in a row. Um, but there can be no doubt that last two performances haven't really hit the same height as we've been at, have they? No, uh, and there's nothing sort of um, personnel-wise that's different to than you know when we were having the good form earlier mm. in the season, really. Uh, but one thing for me, you know, we touched on it before, it's our decision-making in the final third. And for me, the midfield three, so you've kind of got Guy and Moxon, and their role is sort of win the ball a bit and sort of get forward a bit, is their role. And then you've got like McCalman or Gibson, and their role is more of a sort of number 10. And for me, every sort of three-man midfield that you can think of in any team throughout the years. I remember listening to Neil MacDonald and Radio Cumbria talk about this in depth years ago when we had uh, Chris Billy, and he said Chris, his job is to sit in front of the back four, oh. hoover everything up. Chris Lumsden, he'll sit in the middle and ping the ball about, and Paul Murray it was back then, get in the box, get in the final third and cause problems. And I think that we'd be better having something like that and having Callum Guy just hoover everything up mm. and letting Moxon get a little bit further forward and do a little bit more in the final third. So you'd, you'd have Moxon as the one furthest forward rather than McCormick. Maybe, Maybe fur, furthest forward or maybe in that Lumsden role, pinging the ball about, but I don't want him worrying as much about defensive re- responsibilities. But then his record as defensively is really good in terms of number oh, tackles. He's won the season yeah. and stuff like that. So but you potentially I would rather that. he was win- winning the ball higher up. Yeah, I think Simo's... Uh, We'll talk about the preview of the Tramway game in a bit, but Simo's been very clear. He wants them to be a bit more positive and a bit more play, a bit more front foot, a bit more with belief, rather than you know waiting for things to happen. That he wants them to make things happen. So maybe you might see a bit of that this weekend, possibly. Um, next thing I had down here, Mike, is um, it's about the rotation of the forwards, and this is just an opinion of mine. But I think you, you share fairly similar because we sort of discuss this in WhatsApp groups. Um, since the arrival of Garner and Gordon, Simo's he's been sort of regularly chopping and changing the forwards, hasn't he, to keep thing, them all mm. fresh. Is there a danger that the players are struggling to find consistency as a result? So, is it time now he, he seems to say, right, you are going to be my two strikers for these next three or four games. 
go out there, work on yourselves together, and the other ones say, I need you ready to come out in games and effect, so you need to be ready to, to drop in and, and, and do the job when needs be. Possibly, but I mean, he was he gave uh, Patrick and Garner a little bit of a run, and they didn't really get enough goals, so you can't keep giving them a run forever. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I, my personal opinion is I think we need to get Dennis back in as the what as what the one who's playing for the oh, next few games because yeah. we, we need goals and he, he was scoring goals. Um, I think he's been unlucky in the games he's come in recently because what chances has he had created for him? He's, he's mm. done a lot of running, but he's not really had chances created for him. So that, that's where the problem is with that. But but as well, you know, we we touched before on luck and Dennis is a player when the ball bounces off someone's knee in the box. Dennis is there, you know, yeah. and and we say look, but there's a skill and, a, and an ability to it in being in, in the right place at the right time, and yeah. that's what we need. We need when the ball bounces off someone's knee in the box, we need Dennis to score a goal and open a game up, and then maybe the fl- fl- floodgates will open and we'll score two or three. That's the hope, isn't it? Um, mm. Yeah. So my opinion is that he needs to stop rotating the forwards and just stick with two for the next few games. Just to say to him, right, you're going to have the next basically up to maybe the Stockport game you, you are going to be my barring injuries you're going to be my, my two forwards I know which two I'd pick but we'll talk about that in the preview uh, section later on um, something that Simo actually made some quite marked comments uh, after the game he, on the U- club's YouTube channel he talked about the quality of delivery into the box especially regarding set pieces he said he just isn't it, it wasn't at the same level and we weren't they weren't Almost weren't playing with a bit of belief in there. They weren't believing what they were doing. They were almost just doing it on autopilot. Do, do you think this is an issue? I, 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 I tend to agree with Max on this. And again, I don't say, Moxon's struggling to maybe make the impact he was. And you've talked about a way of resolving that potentially. And I think that's probably quite a good suggestion, actually. He's hitting his dip in form at just the wrong time, isn't it? Do, do we need to mix things up a little bit in that area, whether it's someone else taking a couple of the set pieces just to mix it up as well? Maybe, yeah. And again, it's hard to pinpoint why they haven't been as good because yeah. personnel-wise, it's not like any of the targets in the box have been out, really. I mean, obviously, we missed Huntington for what, a game or two, but yeah, it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly why. Uh, I think Huntington does make a big difference on Seppi, because even though he doesn't win every single header, he's such a big presence there. He does take a couple of defenders and he, he gives oh, options to yeah. other players, I think, so... He has been missing as good as... Feeney's the one who tends to go for the header, whereas Huntington mm. tends to be the one who just causes a bit of bother in there, really. Mm. So, interesting to see how we cope with that. And Barkley's not so much of a header on set pieces, is he, I suppose, but he's very good in the air, so it's a bit of a surprise yeah. that he isn't. But, um, but, yeah, and I do wonder with direct free kicks, it's someone I keep banging on about this season, they haven't been great quality. If Devitt's not going to be in the team, I'd like to see us mix it up a little bit. I, I, personally, I'd like to see maybe a Mario Patrick try one. He's got a good long-range shot in him. You know, just to mix it up, just to see if someone different can have a go at it, because truth is, Mox and his direct free kicks just haven't been great quality this season. I'm not sure. I think he's hit the time. I don't know. I mean, he's them. been he's been close with a with a couple. Close is close. Not enough, is it? Really? That's the mm. thing. It's you know, Gibson's been much closer. To be fair, and even some of his he's put in the Waterworks car park, <laughs> but he's he's been the nearest to scoring. To be fair, other than Devitt's free kick against yeah. um, Harrogate, I think it was, wasn't it? But at the, at the same time, though, and I said this a while ago, it, it seems we haven't won as many direct free kicks this no, year as previous no. years. I mean, it's bizarre. Like when we had Danny Granger and, and Jamie Devitt both taking them and both pinging them in, 
we won loads of them, and you'd think that back then teams wouldn't want to see well, free kicks against you, us. But you, you kind of hope that Garda would win a few more, but he, he's not really be getting that from referees at the moment. Mm. So again, it's one of those ones that do, do, do we persist with Joe at the moment because he's, he's not getting the goals and. He had that brilliant run of games where he you know, won those two minor matches when he didn't even assist or score in the games mm. at home. But he's not really quite up there at the moment, so maybe a little breakout of the team and coming off the bench instead might be a good idea for him. I, I don't know, but there you go. Um, yeah, so uh, other points. Um, the lack of goals, I mean, it's got to be a grown concern, isn't it? Three and 60 minutes yeah, since we last definitely. scored in the league. We, we can go back to that point about rotating the strikers. Maybe there's a question about the the quality of chance we've created in, in recent weeks. I mean, Mellish isn't getting forward as much as well, actually. I've noticed that the last three or four games. He did a couple of times also in this game, but that was more when they were down to um, 10 men, wasn't it, really? And he was mm. a bit more freedom to get up. We're not pushing him into midfield anymore. He has not really been seen as an option any, uh, at this point. Um, yeah... What, the other thing I've noticed, we're not really doing any long-range efforts, are we, at the moment? No, uh, and I think that comes from Simo, to be honest, because uh, he's been frustrated in a few games when we've kind of done well to get the ball on the final third and then just wasted it with a 40-yard shot. And I think there's often a point in them 40-yard shots if you've got a Christian Dennis on the pitch and yeah. you know the keeper saves it nine times out of ten, Dennis will get the rebound. But, yeah, we just... I don't, know, I don't know what it is. It's just not clicking in the final third at all. And yeah, we need to be a little bit braver, I think, and yeah. have players step up. And I just like to see them. I'd, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see one or two of them just having a crack from distance, mm. just just to get the crowd going as much as anything. Maybe they're all capable. Moxon's capable. Guy's shown he's very capable this mm. season, and even McCalvin, you know, he's looked decent from some of his long-range efforts. So I just want to see a couple of them just think, you know what, I'm just going to have a dig here. Because the, the last three or four games, we haven't been doing that. We've been a lot more cautious, and I want to see... Simo said that. He's, he's, he's pretty much coming to me, so he, he knows that. Um, I mean, we've talked about a lot of negative, but let's end this bit on a bit of a positive. So, you know, still some promising signs, even though, you know, he didn't take that chance. He managed to burst into the box. It was you know, nice to see, wasn't it? You know, he, he, he playing with a bit of belief. And we've got through that horrible run of three away games now, haven't we, Mike? So yeah. we aren't actually cut. This is the thing as well. Horrible run. We haven't got great results, but we've only conceded two goals in the last four games. Mm. And one of those was a 96 minute, you know, or 94th minute winner, you know, when one of the last kicks of the game where just, you know, he thrashed it, the lad. And that was the only real chance they had in that game. And the other one was a scabby one that came off John Mellish's knee and went over the keeper. So. Yeah, that's that's a positive take. But defensively, we're still looking pretty sound, aren't we? Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, if we were as ineffective as we've been in the final third and shipping goals left, right, and centre, it'd be really, really concerning. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, a, a solid defence is always a good foundation for a team. Um, yeah. And ho- hopefully, we can get it all to click together on on Friday. Exactly. Uh, quickly to round up before we do the preview section, Mike. Um, yeah, it was a missed opportunity for United, wasn't it? Because Northampton and Stevenage played at a 1-1 draw at Sixfields. Um, the Cobblers took the lead in that one. I think uh, Stevenage equalised for about nine minutes ago, didn't they? So it's kind of one of those ones. That, and one, for a long period, we were in third place because we were getting a point and mm. Stevenage were dropping out the the automatic places. So that was a little bit frustrating in that sense. And seeing them play out that draw was kind of like... Oh, you know, if we could have nicked something in off against Orient, 
great. We're you know we're in a position where if we beat Northampton now, then we go ahead of them, don't we? So yeah, a little bit disappointing that. Um, back into the playoff race, Bradford came from behind to grab a three two win at home against Grimsby Town. Uh, Friday night, Stockport and Salford played out a one one draw in front of the biggest league crowd at the County Ground since they faced Manchester City twenty two years ago. Yeah, which would have been back in the it? old uh, what was the first division now the Championship. Mm. People forget that City were down level, don't they? So, but still, Stop- Salford's away turnout for that wasn't great. No, I think they only had the one block on the side, didn't they? I think the, the home fans were in the behind the goal for this one, weren't they? Um, similarly, in the way ours are going to be this weekend. So, so yeah, I mean, if you've seen the Salford equaliser, it's a brilliant finish. But my, where on earth is the defending on that? Like. The, the players on the edge, throw-ins played in, and the player on the edge of the box has time to turn and hook a volley towards goal. The two centre-backs, the centre-back and the full-back are about 20 yards apart. <laughs> Pauling bit of defending it was. Um, yeah, so that that, that that was a decent result. I mean, they're all, annoyingly, the top six, ours was the only one that didn't end up 1-1, wasn't it? So, mm. <laughs> typical of that, isn't it? Just sods law. Um, just outside the playoffs, Mansfield batted Crawley 4-1. Sutton were held to a 1-1 draw with Walsall while Barrow keeping their slight hopes of a top seven finish alive with a 2-1 win over Gillingham. I still think it's just probably out of Barrow's reach. But it does yeah, make that game at Holker so. Street a bit nervous, doesn't it, really? Yeah, it does a bit. They keep the form up. I'm hoping they get, get a couple of losses before then, so they, yeah. they drop out of it, but there you go. Um, down to the bottom quickly, uh, Rochelle and Hartlepool both picked up big wins. 1-0 at AFC Wimbledon, a 2-1 home win against Swindon for, for Hartlepool who got a goal in, the, I think, the 89th minute and then the 94th minute to to win that one, which is quite remarkable. Um, and that's keeping the pressure on Crawley, Harrogate, Colchester, and Newport. They all could get dragged into it, couldn't they? So mm. it's quite tight. I think Rochelle have basically been let down by Hartlepool getting result, basically, and Crawley's decent recent form, so I don't think they're going to get out of it. But Hartlepool could well drag one of those teams into it, couldn't they? So it's not all over at the bottom. It's certainly yeah. very exciting, which is, which is good for us because... Some of the teams around us have got to play those teams, haven't they, in the remaining games? Whereas we, yeah, exactly. looking at it, we, we've, have we even got anyone down near the bottom left to play, have we? No, we don't. Think about it. We've only got, obviously, Sutton, Barrow, and, um, and Walsall and Tramia, the only teams that aren't challenging for the top that we've got left mm. to play. So, not a bad situation to be in, in that sense. That's another positive for you there to end the first <laughs> half. We'll take a short break and then we'll be back to preview the Easter weekend games. Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. You know, Mike, when I was just listening to that there, I was just thinking, he says, welcome to the Brunton Bugle. We really should have that at the start of the show, shouldn't we, really? Yeah. Doesn't make sense to have it. It's the <laughs> halftime break. Paul Simpson from the Football Club. As if like, everyone doesn't know who he is. What a, what a man. What a man. Um, right into the preview section, Mike. Uh, we've got two behind enemy lines this week I have to say I feel sorry for the pair of them because I, I, I made them talk to me for like 20 odd minutes about their team seasons and anyone who's seen where those two teams are in the league this season and some of their recent results will know that was not an enjoyable experience for either of them I don't think <laughs> <laughs> so I do apologise in advance to the pair of them but there you go Dan has done us a question of the week though so uh, should we do that first yeah go on so here's Dan's question I played 91 games for Walsall I played 155 games for Carlisle. And I also played 36 games for Tranmere. Who am I? Mm. Oh, now that is a belter. 
Managing to yeah. collect all three clubs in one go. That, that's a good one, that one. All right, I'm trying to think someone who's played for all three of us. Oh. Oh. No. I was going to say Derek Mountfield. Because I know he played um, for Walsall, but I don't think he played for Tranmere, even though, you know, he's from round that way. Okay. Um, who who, who are you thinking? That's a tough one. Uh, no, I, it's, that's really tough. Uh yeah, because um, I, I I keep on thinking of one like oh yeah no and then there's the one club that he didn't play for. Yeah. Uh, no, do you know what? We'll we'll sit on it and then uh, we'll try and figure it out at the end. Okay, of it. so we'll give everyone else a chance to have a little bit of a think while yeah. they're listening and uh, see if they can get it early on. But there you go. Right uh, into the uh, second half of the show, uh, it's time for the behind enemy line section. The first one speaking to Paul from the This Is Tranmere podcast. Um, we spoke about what went wrong for Mickey Mellon this season. He, some interesting stuff from Paulie. He talks about a little bit in depth about the um, the issues off the field there as well, basically, in terms of, you know, Mellon wanting to go into one direction and the club maybe wanting to go in another. And that was maybe the issue that led to him eventually leaving and him struggling so much. There's a bit about that. Uh, there are ongoing troubles in front of goal. And what his hopes are for the summer and next season and who he wants to replace Mellon uh, as manager. So here's the chat I had with Paul. So this is the first of our two Behind Enemy Line sections this week. Obviously, it's the Easter weekend doubleheader. And we're speaking to Paul from the This Is Tranmere podcast. Um, Paul, I think that these are going to be two chats with sets of fans who are probably just quite happy to see the season end. I mean, Tranmere Rove, it, it, it's been a sort of a barren few years since you got that relegation thanks to the points per game. You've never really been able to sort of get your mojo back almost have you it's, it's been a really tough few years yeah it's been a it's been a grind lead, to be honest um this season has been i don't want to use the word disaster but um, a disaster really <laughs> um high expectations i guess um there was a lot of talk in the summer that um you know the club were going in one direction and it just felt like throughout the you know the last sort of six to nine months that um that that direction has has not been kind of um cohesive and it's not really been the direction that the manager maybe really wanted to go down and mm-hmm. it was all just a bit of a mess towards the end and obviously you know Mickey Mellon's lost his job and and we've got caretaker um, manager at the moment so yeah, it's just uh, it's a it's been disappointing to say the least. Um, we've not really got going. We never really hit a run of form where we could say, yeah, that was a good part of the season. It's been very win lose lose win the odd one. You know, we've not put a, a run of results together. Uh, not scored enough goals, which has been ultimately the what's what's costing us. But um, yeah, the club kind of tried to go down a, a route of bringing in young players to kind of develop. And we were told at the end of the, uh, the start of the season, yeah, with these, this is going to be a developing team, and you know, to expect the mis- the odd mistakes, but it's going to be exciting, free flowing, attacking football. And um, uh, game one um, onwards, it's uh, we've not seen any of that yet so so far. So um, we've had the odd the odd the odd good game. We beat Orient um, at Prenton Park one there, which was a good performance. But other than that. I'm struggling to find a game where I could say, wow, I've really enjoyed that, 
90 minutes of football it's been a it's been a grind and like you say we've not really had too much success since we got that demotion sort of three three four years ago so yeah we've had we've had a we had a playoff run under Keyfield slash a and other but um yeah other than that it's been a it's been mid-table mediocrity really and and like i say this season you know that when mickey mellon came back a couple of years ago we were hopeful that he was going to bring back the you know the times that he had in his first spell in charge with you know the back-to-back promotions and you know there was a lot of optimism going about and you know it's it's dissipated quite quickly and um who knows where the club goes from here but uh yeah we're managerless and um stuck in the middle of the table neither going to go up and neither going to go down so just bring on the <laughs> bring on the end of the season <laughs> I don't, I've known that feeling a few times. I think it's fair to say. Uh, you, we've got to talk about Mickey Mellon then, I suppose, first. I mean, I suppose he's always going to be a legend to your fans of what he did first time round and obviously his time as a player as well. Um, but what went wrong for him in this spell that sort of led to his sacking last month? It's mm, a good question. <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I could give you the... Um, the, uh, the the PR spin, or I could give you my opinion. Um, I'm probably going to give you my opinion. Oh, what the heck? Yeah. Um, and hope that the uh, the owners aren't listening to this. <laughs> um, I just think the, the the club wants to go in one direction, and Mickey has had a sort of a tried and tested way of managing throughout his. You know, I don't know. He's been in management for what 10, 15 years, and he's always had a spine of good, strong, experienced players who've got that know-how. They know, you know, the likes of McNulty that he had in the first spell, the likes of yeah. Norwood, Cook, that spine of that team, Jay Harris, um, Scott Davis and Gold. They all had experience, A, of promotions. They were good, honest professionals. Um, yeah, they were getting on a bit, but they were they, they brought that experience and then you could, you could build your... You kind of your youth and your your more flair players around that, and I think well last season didn't I couldn't really tell you what the plan was in terms of the recruitment. It was very haphazard. Again, we've sort of tried to splash out a little bit in January to try and paper over the cracks, and never really never really worked. We brought in Hemmings up front, who did a you know a decent job, but this season he's been hopeless to fair. Um, at best, um, not really seeing the best of him. Really, I don't think um, we've tried a number of systems. None of them have really seemed to work. And yeah, this this way of developing players. I mean, we we scrapped our academy about five six years ago, and now we're trying to bring in a developing squad. I mean, I don't fully understand the complete U turn, and we're mm. trying to we're trying to develop basically the cast offs from. You know the likes of Man City, Liverpool, Everton. You know the local clubs that are big around us who've got obviously that big pool of talent. But it's whether those clubs, you know, those players have that hunger and that desire to, you know, to go drop down three or four divisions and scrap it out because it's a completely different game to what they've been used to under 18s, under 21s. League two is very, very different and. Um, you know that's the way that they they tried to go about it in the summer, and yeah, we've we've got you know I would say two or three players who look like they've got good potential, 
but with that there's been so much inconsistency and you know we've, mm. we've like I say we've not really got going players have been up and down in their in terms of their level of performance and yeah there didn't seem to be any clear direction the communication from the club has has always been sort of very spun um, and you know football fans we aren't stupid like we can see yeah. you know the the what's happening on the pitch and you know we were told that you know we were a really attacking team you know we had some some of the best stats in terms of running and this that and the other it's like yeah but we don't score any goals um <laughs> yeah. we don't win any games and what you know all these statistics can be painted in you know in one form of light but you know we aren't getting any results on the pitch we're getting beat every week and we're not scoring any goals so you know you can tell us that we're a really attacking team but um, if it's Tramir nil every Saturday, then um, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. The aim of the game is to stick the ball in the net, and we haven't been doing that. Um, no. And obviously, we haven't won any games, enough games. And that's led to Mickey losing his job. Yeah, that you've kind of sort of in the first two questions answer what the next question was going to be. I was going to ask you about why goals have been so hard to come by. I mean, when you look at your squad list, you're well stocked in terms of numbers in that area. Um, and I think most clubs at this level would have would have quite happily signed Kane Hemmings last summer. You know, his record at a higher level was fantastic, but he just doesn't seem to have worked out in the same way. I work, I, I live in Liverpool and I, I work in Liverpool and there's a few Tranmere overseas and ticket holders in my work. And I remember one of them saying, like, it just he's not the kind of striker you need. And that's part of the problem. You, you, you've got him up there and you, and you don't play anywhere near to his strength. So it, it seems almost like a waste of a signing really with Hemmings. Yeah, that's it. I mean, so they signed him last January mm. and then obviously in the summer, whoever it was, whether it was James Vaughan, who was our director of football for about two weeks, um, <laughs> or the owners or whoever it was decided that we were going to go down this different recruitment pattern. And you know, we started playing with, with wing-backs at the start of the season. We were going to you know, have players bombing on, sticking crosses in the box. That's that's not really playing to his strengths. We've tried 4-4-2. Again, I haven't found a, you know, a pattern of play or a way of playing that suits him. I think he's he's decent with his kind of back-to-goal back to and mm. holding the ball up and bringing others into play but if you've not got anybody good enough to play around him or get the you know the players close enough to him to be effective like you say it's a waste of a signing and you know we had um, Elliot Nevitt at the start of the season again good honest you know yeah. scouse lads worked hard but he's not well you ask crew supporters he's not going to score 20 goals a season, not even 15. You know, you'd be lucky to get sort of five or eight out of him a season. We just haven't got that that predator in the box who you know you can rely on to get you the 15, 20, 25 goals that you need to be able to be punching up there at the top of the table. We've not really replaced um, Vaughan when he retired, sort of, what was that, two, three years ago. Um, You know, we've... We've we've not replaced it, replaced him with like for like, you know we need a sort of you know a, a proven goal scorer and we've we've tried sort of papering the cracks with you know good honest lads who will work hard, 
but um, don't have a clue what to do in front of goal. Um, we brought in Harvey Saunders in in January, and you know, bless him, he'll he'll work hard, he'll run his socks off, but you know, he scored one goal. Uh, you know, you need yeah. a, a much better return than that, and if, yeah, you, you you're right in saying that we've got plenty of numbers on the on the squad list, but the, there's. There's a distinct lack of lack of quality in those numbers, unfortunately, yeah. and and that's that's obviously the problem. We don't create enough chances, you know, from the the midfield, um, and when we do, we we don't put them away. So that's the kind of the, the story of the season. Has been very very frustrating. Yeah, we've only seven games to go in the season. I'm I'm guessing there's a chance you're probably going to stick with your caretaker for the rest of the campaign. Is there anyone particularly you'd like to see come in in the summer as manager? I mean, I've I've seen some rumours online about Carl Robinson, which will be an interesting one, certainly, wouldn't it? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, um, I, I, I I like Carl Robinson. I think he's mm. he's obviously done you know great, um, great for MK Dons, great at um, at Oxford, and uh, done really good jobs there. Whether he's within our budget, I would. <laughs> be surprised um, or if he's willing to take a massive pay cut uh, <laughs> uh, you know some of the names that we've been linked with uh, yeah unrealistic I would say like sort of Cowley Brothers and always um, happens, Ni- <laughs> yeah Nigel Adkins I've even seen like Robbie Fowler he always gets linked with us Every and, time. yeah it's just I don't think these are realistic names I think I mean, I've got no idea what direction Mr. Palias wants to take us in, um, which is oh. probably part of the problem. Um, whether he wants to go with a young, unproven manager um, and take a bit of a chance or go down the route of you know, somebody who's tried and tested and knows the division and um, knows how to get out of it, ideally. But um, you know, whether somebody like that would want to come and work with... I would suggest maybe a limited budget going forward um, is uh, is there to be seen. But yeah, it's a, it's a big appointment because you know we're just lingering in in League Two. Not no real sort of um, not really seeing any sort of ambitions to uh, to lift ourselves higher in the last couple of years. And I think it needs somebody just to grab the bull by the the throat and give that that lift to the fan base that that gets the club sort of in an optimistic and a you know a positive uh, frame of mind again because you know for the, the 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 three or four years that Mickey was with us in the first spell there was nothing but positivity and mm-hmm. um, the crowds were good the atmosphere was good at the games and it's just flipped on its head you know um, of late you know going to the game is you know the, the, there's not that buzzing atmosphere because the football is is not good um, and I know you know they both go hand in hand but it just needs somebody to come in and, and give everybody a lift and um, yeah who that's going to be um, God only knows but uh, yeah I, w- I would I would be more than happy with Carl Robinson if he's uh, if he's around and uh, wants to take a big pay cut it's interesting to say about you know it's not great to go down and watch you at the moment, but fair play to you guys. You've you've sold over five hundred for the game on Good Friday, which is now we now know, including home sales, is going to be an over ten k crowd, which is hopefully will create a good atmosphere. And um, you guys obviously looking to spoil the party. Who are the danger men that uh, 
that I've come to look out for you, Tim. And it, it seems a ridiculous. I said exactly the same thing to the Walsall guy when I spoke to him, and he had sort of the same reaction of almost laughing out, like, "Look, I'm trying, I'm trying to give us an idea of who who might be a threat on a Good Friday." Um, right, uh, slim pickings to be honest, Lee. Uh, <laughs> but um, I do like our fullbacks. Our fullbacks are probably our best players, which says a lot. Dakos Cogley is good, isn't uh, he? Cogley and. Um, Oh God, what's his name? The left back. Can't yeah. remember his bloody name. Robinson or Bristow? I'm looking at the list. Uh, Bristow, Ethan but... Bristow. Sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, temporary um, mind blown then. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bristow, um, I'd say both fullbacks get forward well. They can defend as well. Um, they've got good pace, um, decent delivery into the box as well. So they're kind of the most creative players, which again you know, says a lot. We are missing the likes of Mark, Kieran Morris and Josh Hawks there. Yeah. You know, two big players for us and obviously not, have, um, I don't think they'll be available at the weekend. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of in front of goal, we probably haven't got too much to worry about with uh, with Saunders. Um, you know, Jake Burton's a young lad who might, might be involved and I kind of hope he is, given a chance. You know, we've got seven games where we've got nothing really to... to, to to prove um, nothing to, to play for. I think giving some some of the young lads in the squad, uh, particularly him, who's not really had a run of games, um, I think he's probably worth it. Worth a, a shout. He's got to be worth. He's got to be worth a shout over Joel Mumbongo anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, give the the young lads you know a bit of time to uh, you know, try and prove themselves. I'm sure. I'm not sure if his contract runs out in the summer as well. But yeah, just give him a go and, and see if he's you know if he's good enough for this level because um, we haven't really seen too much of him. But he's you know he's a promising young player, young forward. He has actually scored a goal as well for us this season. So um, yeah, in terms of goal scoring, he's probably the the most liveliest. Um, and I hope he, he gets himself a game on the, on Friday. I've just double checked there for you. He's out of contract in the summer. So he is, yeah, so. Be, uh, gets a little run out in that one. Yeah. That's um, it. I mean, sorry, Lee. Um, that's the, right. That, the, so it, he's one of the ones that probably the, the last of the ones that came through the, the academy sort of mm. system before it, it, the, the plug got pulled. So, you know, he's kind of the, the last sort of homegrown talent, if you like. Mm. You know that we've actually brought through all the way, you know, from the, the you know, the, the schoolboy levels to to the YTs and and obviously now professional. Um, so it would be nice to to see him actually given a, an opportunity to prove himself. And um, yeah, if his contract's up in the summer, then you know, give him you know, six or seven games to 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 see what see what he can do. Uh, yeah. Would not be against that at all. Um, I won't keep you on any longer then, Paul, because I'm, I'm sure it's not much fun talking about Tramia Rovers right now. But um, before we finish up, uh, we always ask for a prediction. Um, you guys don't score many goals at the moment. We've not scored in four games. I said this to the Walsall guy. This is weird because I'm saying I've said this to the Walsall guy, but people listening to the pod are going to hear the Walsall bit afterwards. So they're confused. I'm recording with the Walsall guy first. But I said to the Walsall guy, um, we don't score many goals. At the moment, we've gone four games without scoring. You don't score many. What are you going to go for on the prediction? <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
I mean, I'd like to. I'd like to think that we've we've got a goal in us. Um, we do. We we do one. <laughs> um, no, I think um, it's obviously like you say. Um, shout out to Carlisle for um, reducing the prices, which I think has helped ticket sales. Absolutely. And I don't think we'd have sold five hundred tickets if it was <laughs> twenty quid a pop or more. Yeah. Um, so reducing the tickets to a tenner is obviously. Um, Attracted more people than uh, than wouldn't ever ordinarily uh, bought one, but uh, yeah, I wish to. We're going to have a good following. Hopefully, you know, Dorsey and Parky can um, you know get a song out of us. Um, good luck to them on that. But uh, yeah, it's hard to 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 be positive when you've seen so much dross over the course of the season. Um, it's a difficult place to go at the best of times. Carlisle, I don't think. We've I mean, I, I do remember us getting a few good good victories up there, but uh, yeah, I can't see us. I mean, if I was the ultimate optimist, I'd say a draw, goal score, a scoring draw, one all, but probably sort of a one or two nil to yourselves, to be honest. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, you know, as I say, Parky and Dorsey can um, can get a performance out of us, and I think that's all we all we want is you know seven games. Last seven games is a bit of effort, a bit of you know, a bit of positivity going into whoever's going to take over, and, and obviously the summer and and next season. It's just kind of trying to build a bit of momentum um, going forward. So I'd like to hope that the players have got something to prove, at least um, whether they're yeah. wanting to move on or or otherwise. But uh, yeah, um, probably a narrow defeat is uh, the best we can hope for. We have had many people say that this season, to be fair. So there you go. Paul, thanks for your time and uh, genuinely uh, all the best for the rest of the season after Good Friday. And really do hope that Tramway pick themselves up because we've said this to a few of the Northern clubs and we've seen these Northern clubs start to disappear. And we we, we want clubs like Tramway and, and, you know, obviously Rochdale are really struggling now to do well, really, because it, it, it's better for the Football League, in my opinion. And, we, and you look at yeah, it, like it's Salford. Like Salford's in Harrogate's, they just don't bring the crowds. You, you need, yeah, you, you need Forest Greens and all these exactly. Stevenage. You don't want a league full of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Cheers, Paul, and all the best. Yeah, all the best, Lee. Cheers, mate. Yeah, big shout out again to Paul for giving up his time to speak to us because, like I said, I, I can't imagine it's much fun to watch Tranmere at the moment. I know from speaking to you, probably know a few Tranmere fans as well, Mike. It, it's not a great place to go and watch football this season by the sounds of things, is it? No, and, you know, there are clubs that have it a lot worse off, but, you know, we were saying before we started recording, weren't we, that being in a rele- relegation dogfight is at least a little bit exciting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Last, been... se- last season for us, like, those, those that second half of the season was, mm. like, genuinely, like, it was nervous, but it was exciting. You went to games knowing, yep, this is exciting, this. Mm. When you go into games where you, you've basically, the last 10 games, they've basically no chance of promotion, realistically. No chance of being relegated. It, it just must be so dull mm. for them I, I can't think of anything worse really. well going down I suppose is worse I guess, but, <laughs> but no it, it's not much fun for them for this game but there you go but fair play to them they've sold 644 tickets in advance mm. which is something uh, yeah, uh, yeah we don't want to be going back and mocking the Stevage and stuff like that about their following game because we, we'll just end up getting into trouble and I can't be asked dealing with the fallout of it but it, it, it tells you what being a club tramway are, aren't they? I know it's ten pound a ticket, but still, Good Friday, nothing to play for, bringing that many fans. Yeah, Brilliant. definitely, and you know, it's not as if 
I mean, I don't think there's many Tranmere fans who have Carlisle as a ground to tick off because we've played yeah. each other that many times over over sort of recent years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a cracking turnout from them. It really is. And, yeah. You know, sometimes as well, you know, it's very good that we've sold a lot of tickets, but sometimes you need the away fans to make a bit of noise to get the home yeah. fans to make noise as well. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to, you know, tiny poultry away end there and like you know, struggle to get an atmosphere going. I think that was an issue with 10K for MK, wasn't it? That mm-hmm. Keynes Dons aren't exactly a massively supported club. So they didn't bring a particularly raucous away following that day. So, you know, it worked out better for them as it, as it turned out. Um, but yeah, so fantastic effort from them. Fair play. And it's interesting, I'm looking on their forum beforehand and a lot of their fans were, were talking about how good an away day this is. Actually, they're really looking forward to it. A lot of them are like, great, you know, even though we've got nothing to play for. It's one of the best away you know days we've got for the season, so let, let's go up and enjoy it. So fair play. Uh, yep. So it's a free clock kickoff on Good Friday. This game um, referee for the game is Thomas Kirk from Greater Manchester. It's his first season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of thirty games so far this season, handing out one hundred free yellows and two red cards. Last season he handed out one hundred. Sorry, I nearly said one hundred sixteen yellows. Sixteen yellows and no red cards in seven games. I have a feeling he might have. Um, basically um been like a a linesman like at a higher level maybe and now mm. they're moving him on to being a a, a referee possibly or could have been women's referee. super league as well could have actually yeah you do find that sometimes when you look through it, actually it's quite often um yeah so the last united game we took charge of was the free free draw at harrogate in november we were both there weren't we November. Yes. Yes. Uh, and he also took charge of the opening game of the season against crawley town another game you were at mike so all three games he's refereed the season you've been at so yeah, and I can't sure. remember much terrible. <laughs> no, I mean we, we just didn't play very well at, at, at um, yeah, did we? So it's not he, he didn't. There was no like, oh god, he's given an appalling decision there. It was kind of like just you know we struggled towards a draw in that game. So, so there you yeah. go. Head to head record, ninety uh, fourth meeting between the two sides. Uh, United have won thirty seven, eighteen have been a draw, and thirty eight wins for Tramway. So very tight in terms of the head to heads. You know, very well balanced in that sense. Uh, Tranmere Rovers then Mike um, before we sort of talk a little bit generally about the game um, their squad it's interesting obviously listen to what Paul had to say there he's talking about the fact that they've gone down a path of trying to they've sort of scrapped their academy so they're trying to sign a lot of um, youngsters that have been cast off by some of the big Premier League clubs there's some clubs do this option now don't they rather mm. than having an academy and it's okay if you're like a Brentford isn't it where you can pick off the very best of those ones but when you're left with the dregs, sometimes you find they've been in that academy set for so long at the highest level. Actually, they've just been basically meat to fill the squad, haven't they? And yeah. the quality is not even good enough to be a League Two level, is it? No, I mean, you know, obviously they do have uh, Liverpool and Everton just down the road, which is where they'll be getting most of them from. Uh, but we've seen it so many times that players. From the under twenty one setup, they're not built for men's football. They're no. just, you know, they don't get the sort of uh, football and education that you'd maybe get from someone who's worked their way up through non league or something. Mm. It's, it's a tough one for them, isn't it? Um, I mean, look, when you look at the summer signings, I mean, actually, when you look back at it now, it's not actually a massive surprise they struggled because there's not a massive amount of quality in what they brought in last summer, is there? Did well, it's not just brought in; yet. it's what's gone out. Is the thing I think yeah. Peter Clark going was massive, really. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I think they released him, didn't they? Yeah, to be fair with him, he's, what, 41 now, and he oh, didn't, yeah. didn't last long at Walton. He's at Oldham now, so, you know, mm. sure, he's 
winding down his career now, basically, isn't it? I think it's fair to say. But their defence always looked a lot more solid with him in it than without him in it. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the, the players they lost, actually. You, you're right. In terms of the players released, a lot of experience with there. Callum McDonald, uh, sorry, Callum McManaman, Jay Spearing, Knight Percival, um, Joe Maguire, Nicky Maynard, Manny Dizueru, and Callum McDonald. You know, all players with fairly decent football league pedigree there. Mm. To lose all that, and then you sign in the likes of, I mean, some of these names, you know, Ben Hockenhall, Reese McClear, they're from Brentford and Norwich. Ethan Bristow's probably done quite well from Reading, to be fair. Um, and then, like, going down, like, uh, I'm trying to pick up, like, Luke Robinson on loan from Wigan, you know, and Joel Mumbongo from Burnley, who, by all accounts, you know, he was quite disparaging of him, Paul, to be fair. And, you know, the lad on loan from Liverpool, they had on loan last season, but he didn't really pull up any trees, did he? It, it's kind of like you look and you think, bringing, it, bringing back Paul Lewis from Northampton was the one you looked at this summer before. That, that's a decent signing. Maybe John, John Nolan. From Bristol Rovers, but yeah, well, they had a well-known defender to us. Obviously, Darnell Samu in the summer, didn't they? Yeah, but he <laughs> went. Well, he went back in January and then wound up going to Morecambe. Yeah, so yeah, they obviously wanted to train out a bit slightly higher level, mm. albeit I suspect probably that you know as much as he's he's tried out at a high level, he's played in a poorer team there. Probably mm. so. It's a bit of a tough one, isn't it? But it's getting more work done. So certainly, certainly, isn't. even like the January editions. Brad Walker from Port Vale, fair play. That's a fairly decent signing. He's not a bad player. But Logan Char- uh, Chalmers from Dundee United, I don't know anything about him. Um, Harvey Saunders is one that we quite fancied in the summer, didn't we, from Bristol Rovers? It's not mm. worked out for him there. He signed for them. Regan Hendry's an all right player from Forest Game, and then another lad from Newcastle on there. And he's kind of like, eh, you know, just there's nothing really to excite you there. Even you look at the January departures. Um, Hockenhall's gone out on loan to Warrington Rylands already and mm. you know a couple of lads gone to Bootle but then they lost Elliot Never to Crew, and I, I know he's not going to score as many goals but he'll run all day won't he mm. his work rate's fantastic and it always felt a bit of a weird one letting him go because looking through the actual squad Mike in terms of who's been there obviously long term and stuff like that but they're, they're very good defensively and yet they've only got Going by this, what six defenders on the books? I know Brad Walking play there as well, maybe Leo Connor, but they're not well stocked in defence. No. In attack, they've got quite a few players there. It's just the lack of quality is the problem, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think I remember saying in the pre-season preview that apart mm. from Kane Hemmings, I couldn't quite see where the goals were going to come from for them. Well, I, th- um, I think I have a feeling I predicted them to do well based on I thought they would bring a striker in possibly. And uh, you yeah, know, well, I, I think I think we all predicted that they'd certainly be top half. Um, mm. Yeah, but it just because because to be honest, they they always have been top half yeah. pretty much, you know, because <coughs> they they're, they're a big club at this level. But I think this season just hasn't gone right, I, I, and I think the biggest thing is lack of experience. They got rid of yeah. some big experienced heads, and they don't have a lot in there now. Hemmings is literally the the only experienced striker there, isn't it? And from what this from speaking to people I work with who see Dick Olds and go watch Tramway every week, they say don't play to his strengths. Point almost a, a pointless signing because you you don't work. He's very good at his back to goal and hold the ball up and stuff, and they just don't play to that way. Mm. As a result, he, he's made to look a, a poorer player, and I think he's out of contract. And some I might be wrong on that, but I can't imagine him staying on. To be honest, if, if, mm. if that's the basis, but. Uh, there you go. Yes, it, it, it's a tough one for them. I mean, last time out they drew one-one with 
Harrogate Town and I mean Harrogate are a bit of a wish washy side, aren't they? They can have brilliant games, they can have awful ones. Armstrong against us. Yeah, yeah, particularly against us, yeah, the good ones. Armstrong gave them an early lead after four minutes and then Tramie's goal came from a free kick but hit the post and then came back off the keeper as an own goal. Mm. And watching the YouTube highlights, they could have been three one down in this game. They they really didn't look great and it's got me a bit nervous actually now because I'm thinking, oh, this this just has, you know, them sitting back was dominating them and nicking one on the break, all written all over it, hasn't it, really? Mm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at it, in terms of stats, I picked a few out here, I mean, we, we've said it before, their problem is goals. They just don't score goals. Only Rochdale, Gilliam, Colchester and Crew have scored less than the 38 goals that Tramway have scored this season in the league. Mm. And defensively, though, they're really sound. They've conceded 40 goals, and that's only three more than United. Mm. You know? And putting them eighth best division, uh, best defence in the division. So, yeah, um, it seemed kind of inevitable that Mickey Mellon was going to go, didn't it, I think? Yeah, I think so. I think um, he, he was probably a bit fed up, wasn't he? I think he wasn't really getting what he wanted. No, uh, but I think he'll probably be back in a couple of years anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it works, isn't it? Do you think yeah. he's the new John Sheridan with uh, Oldham Athletic, is he? Well, or the new uh, uh, Ronnie Moore at Tranmere. He, he was there a few times, wasn't he? Yeah, of course, yeah. John Sheridan's due another spell at Oldham now, isn't he? Yeah, surely. I think so. Um, but yeah, so um, it, it kind of just feels like their, their season's petering out. They, they're in what, about 50 points now, I think. They, they can't can't be relegated. They can't be going down. It can't be much fun, really, to watch them. I think it's fair mm-hmm. to say. This weekend's game, though, just before we go on to talk about the Warsaw game... Uh, just as we're recording, we're recording on Thursday afternoon. This is going to go up pretty much straight after we finish recording. I'm going to put it together quickly. Um, I'm just looking here. The the final sales. 11,600 home fans is the final sales. 644 uh, tramway tickets sold for, the, for well, their end. From what I've seen, the paddock might be sold out. Possibly, yeah. That seems to be a suggestion. Because uh, mm. there's, there's no mention of it on the, the club's tweets. So, um, so yeah... Uh, so basically, they've um, finished on 12,244 sales in advance. And they usually get a fair few walk-ups. And the weather's supposed to be nice tomorrow, so there'll bound to be a few fans go, ah, oh, you know what, there's no Premier League game on telly, why don't I go down and watch the game this weekend? Yeah, That's the hope, isn't it? And you know what, if we can only retain 50% of those extra fans for the next couple of games, that'll be... Yeah. Incredible. We'll be getting gates at like nine thousand. Yeah, that's what the that's what the aim is. Realistically, we're not going to get the same crowd unless we can secure promotion against Salford, which looks unlikely now because of the last few games. It's going to go down to the wire, I think. But um, in terms of crowds, it now means that we've the the attendance will eclipse the attendance against Berry on uh, December nineteen ninety four, which is the the game um, was my first game, uh, the, the famous three 0 win. Glory hunter. Um, I know it's uh, it's eclipsed the Darlow uh, Christmas game in uh, two thousand five as well. Now I'm going to quickly check this because I've got a list up because Jeff Jackson, we've already mentioned a few times this show, he's got a brilliant website basically that um, that basically uh, tells you all the Cal United attendances down there, all the, the biggest attendances of all time for us going down to round about the 10,000 mark. Basically, the plus, plus 10,000 crowds. And by my reckoning, I'm going to do a very quick head count with here. One, two, three, four, five. It's going to be, as it stands, I think it will be the fifth biggest attendance 
a, a fourth tier level that we've ever had. That's good. So it needs, in fact, it needs another um, 200 or so to eclipse Lincoln City. So it should eclipse that. Yeah. So that would take it to the fourth biggest we've had at this level. And then the Chester, we've got a game against Chester in 1961-62 that had 12,660 there. So basically another 400 to eclipse that to become the third highest, which would be a hell of an achievement to do that. I mm. think it's going to struggle to beat the Torquay game maybe in 05-06. It might get close though. That was uh, 13,467. Because you've got to allow for the fact there might be another 100 or so Tramway fans travel up possibly on the day as well. Mm. So that's the aim. We're aiming basically to have the second highest attendance we've ever had at fourth tier level because the highest is against Workington in 1963 in the old Division 4 where it was we won 3-1. I think it was just one of the Christmas games and it was 16,347. little fact on that uh, for the younger fans. That season, obviously, uh, we playing Workington the Cumbria Derby with bigger attendances. The game at Workington was actually a bigger attendance than the game at Brunton Park. Hmm. But uh, United finished that season in second place having scored 113 goals in 46 games. <laughs> We finished on the same number of points as Gillingham and we missed out on goal average. On goal um, difference, we would have won by about 30 plus goals or something like that, something <laughs> stupid like that, because we scored 113 and conceded about 59. They only scored about 60, but they only let in about 30 Gillingham. So that that's the way it worked back then, sadly. But there you go. So we're aiming, we're closing in. We, it looks like we've got the fourth for highest attendance possibly. At that level. In fact, it looks like it probably will be the third. It's whether we can beat that talky game from Simo's season. Amazing if we could do Incredible. that. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So there you go. Right. Um, now, time to look to the Walsall game. Again, we've got another behind enemy lines section for this one. Um, we spoke to Tom from the One Pod Beyond uh, Walsall podcast. Um, similar to Paul, but slightly slightly cheerier than Paul's was because they've had an FA Cup run this season at least and they've got they've had that to, to enjoy as we You're found welcome. out to our cost. Yes, you know. <laughs> You're welcome, says Thomas Shirley. Um So yeah, what do we talk with Tom? Why their form has collapsed since their FA Cup fourth round uh, defeat? Uh, the impact that Danny Johnson going back to Mansfield has had, which probably explains why the form dropped. Uh, and, and whether Mickey Flynn or Mike Flynn, sorry, is the, the man to take them into next season. So for the second of this week's uh, double header of uh, behind enemy line sections, we've got Tom from One Pod Beyond the Walsall podcast. Um, Tom, high expectations in the summer with the arrival of Michael Finn in the second half of last season. And you actually look quite well positioned for a run at the playoffs, sort of mid January, and then you went out of the FA Cup against Leicester City. What on earth has gone wrong over these last three months since then? Oh, well, um, opinions um, probably are pretty unified on that. I think um, the uh, loss of uh, Danny Johnson, obviously top scorer, um, who went back to Mansfield, um, and uh, Liam Bennett, uh, probably our other best player from the first half of the season, who went back to Cambridge. um, And since then, yeah, our former's... uh, fallen off a cliff unfortunately um i mean we've we've struggled with injuries as well um flynn um often quotes the fact that um 30% of his budget um has been on the treatment table this season um we've had a lot of players um you know out through injury but i think people are starting to um sort of feel a bit fed up with that um it, it's a 
it's a valid excuse, but it probably papers over a lot of cracks that go beyond that as well. Um, so, you know, if fans could see um, the team progressing in terms of a playing style or um, a, a sort of plan B um, without Johnson and Bennett, that would be one thing. Um, but it's been woeful um, since um, the turn of the year, basically, like you say, since we went out of the cup with one, you know, one game in, in 17. Um, we're, you know, we're still relatively hard to beat. You know, we've drawn a huge amount of games this season, but we can't turn those draws into wins. Um, and um, yeah, the fan base is getting a bit frustrated, to be honest. It's interesting you mentioned about the injuries there, because for probably about 90% of this season, we've had 18 players to pick from on most match days. And it's only this week, I mean, last week, even that Paul Simpson said to us that we finally got 26 players out training on the training pitch. It's just, it's just come all at once at the end of the season. So we're kind of hoping it helps for running, but it goes to show you can do, I suppose, can't you with injuries, if you just put together a solid team and, and get going. Absolutely. And, and Carlisle are the example that I use when, when, you know, we talk on the podcast about, um, you know, managers having to um, deal with injuries. Paul Simpson's done a brilliant job um, of using the resources that he, that he has. Um, unfortunately, um, either Michael Flynn hasn't done that or he didn't recruit well enough in the summer um, to be able to put out, you know, an 11 that could um, replicate the form when we had um, our two lone players, um, you know, for the first half of the season. And it just goes to show, you know, you, you do need a plan B if you're going to put all your eggs in the basket of uh, two players who can theoretically go back to their parent clubs in January, then you need to be ready for that. And um, we weren't. A lot of, uh, you actually answered my second question about Danny Johnson there, basically him being the reason why you struggled so much. It just goes to show, doesn't it? But I think a lot of people looked at your January editions and they saw that you brought in Jamil Matt and Matty Stevens from uh, Forest Green Rovers and everyone looked for him. Oh, that's the strike partnership that did so well at Forest Green last year. Surely that's going to work. It doesn't seem to have quite clicked. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, on paper, it was a fantastic, um, you know, uh, replacement um, for Johnson. You know, not one striker, but two who scored 47 goals between them last season. But, um, you know, that that's what it was. It was on paper. And unfortunately, both had been either injured or out of the team, not playing very much. Um, and it's shown, really, that they've taken a long time to get up to speed. Matt got a bad shoulder injury, which kept him out for... Uh, you know, almost, you know, um, six weeks, I think. Um, he's just about coming back now. Um, but again, you know, um, they've flattered to, to deceive, really. But then again, we've not been creating a huge amount of chances for them. It's not like they've been missing, you know, boatloads of chances. Um, they've either been out of the team or we've not been creating a huge amount for them. And it's that lack of creativity that um, has been frustrating this season, I think. You mentioned creativity. Someone who was quite creative at times for us. Now in your squad this season, Joe Riley, he's had a tough old time of it with you, hasn't he? I think he only made his debut a few weeks ago, or something like that. I think it was. I mean, it's bizarre because you know he was offered a new deal by us, and the rumours are that basically he'd already been tapped up by you guys before the end of the season because Simo said that there was one player who told him he'd already spoken to and agreed to deal with another club. Which Simmer said, well, you're technically not allowed to do that. <laughs> you never named the player, but I think everyone guessed it was him. And there was a bit of concern as so we'd miss him, and we haven't really. So, I mean, I suppose you guys haven't had really a chance to see what you can do yet. 
No, and uh, you know he's come in and he's done well. I mean, he, I yeah. think he's shown the the quality that would have been um, a decent addition. But um, yeah, he's been um, he's been out for almost the entire season. Um, was one of those players who came in. Um, Oshin McKenty was another who came in from Newcastle and and barely kicked a ball for the first sort of um, four or five months. Um, so yeah, we we, we signed um, quite a few players in the summer, and about fifty percent of them. Um, you know, have, have barely played sort of five or six games this season. So, uh, yeah, the uh, injuries, um, uh, we've really struggled this season. Um, and, um, you know, I think people are looking forward to what Riley can bring next season because the cameos he's had so far have, have been good. Um, but it's probably, again, a bit too early um, uh, before, you know, um, the end of the season to, to sort of say that it's been a success because it's been... Uh, sort of dominated by his time out through, uh, through injury, unfortunately. You've got two other ex-Carlo players in your squad, uh, Hayden White and Brandon Comley. Uh, tell us a bit about how those two uh, have done for you guys. I mean, White's been there a couple of years now, I think, hasn't he? Comley, I think, came to start of the season. And White was one who was on loan with us from Bolton, and he looked raw at the time, I think it's fair to say. I think he's grown up a bit since then. And Comley actually looked a useful player on loan from QPR. We nearly... Resigned him last season, but Simo decided not to. So, how are those two getting on? Yeah, Comley's grown into the season, um, especially when um, Kinsella um, was out with injury. He sort of stepped up into the holding midfield role um, and did pretty well. Really, I think he, you know, he's probably, um, you know, one of the players who's who's performed better this season. He didn't have the greatest start, and I think a lot of fans are still a bit. Um, averse to him and Kinsella both starting because it seems a bit yeah. conservative when we play, you know, two holding midfielders, which Flynn um, has done um, quite a bit this season. But um, Comley's done okay. Hayden White, like you say, he's been here for a couple of seasons now. Um, so a player who's, who's divided fans a little bit. Sometimes he plays as one of the three centre halves. Sometimes he plays at right wing back. Um, but all that's kind of been a bit overshadowed by the fact that he was out of the team um, for the game at the weekend. And when Michael Flynn was asked why he wasn't even on the bench, he replied, that's between me and Hayden. So oh, no. very, very much, uh, you know, uh, rumours of, of a falling out. You would have to read into that what you will. But yes, it, it would have seen there's a bit of uh, a bit of friction behind the scenes. So um, we'll have to wait and see whether he starts either of the games over Easter. An interesting one because when we had him on loan, he towards the end of his loan, we played a game away at Portsmouth and he got sent off what I can only describe as a, an assault of a challenge. Like most of the fans around me even were like, What is he doing? There's like literally, there's, there's no need to go in like he did. It's a horrible tackle it was. And I think we barely saw him after that. It was a strange one. Um, let's talk about your FA Cup run. That's some exciting games in that, didn't you? Much to our. Uh, uh, downfall, I suppose, is the way of putting it. With that game at um, the Bescott Stadium, we should make this game quite live, luckily, after what happened at the end of that one. But you had a, a great game against Stockport as well, but you won it late, didn't you? And then that chance to play Leicester at home. Yeah, I mean, it's so frustrating because, you know, in yourselves and Stockport, we've probably beat two of the uh, better teams in League Two this season, mm. um, which shows we can mix it when, uh, or we could mix it, um, you know, when we had a full complement of players. The game at Stockport in particular was, you know, a, a superb win, um, given their form, particularly at, at home this season. Um, they scored late equaliser and then we went down the other end and, you know, rather than shutting up shop, managed to win it in uh, in the last minute. So, um, yeah, we, we, we got that um, game against Leicester as a, a, as a reward. 
um, sort of de- didn't quite do ourselves justice in that game. It, you know, it was a, a great occasion. First time um, Basket had been sold out for uh, about five or six years, I think. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it was a great occasion, but we didn't perhaps do ourselves um, justice in the game. Although, you know, we had quite a, uh, a few players out, um, including Johnson and Kinsella. And it was sort of it was a sign of things to come, really. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not one of these people who sort of subscribes to the idea that, you know, after a, after a decent cup run, you know, the players um, sort of, you know, switch off. Um, I don't think Flynn would let them do that. Um, but at the same time, it has coincided with, um, you know, a really poor run of form, let's be honest. Yeah. Flynn, so let's talk about him. Is he still the man to lead you into next season? Because there, there seems to be some doubt. It, it, it's a strange, wasn't it? For a manager who does so well, especially with the home time club in that long spell, it can sometimes be hard for them to sort of transpose what they've done there onto another club, Kaya. And it, it seems like he's struggling to maybe make that impact at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we're certainly hoping he's going to replicate his new portform because um, it's quite interesting how it's mirrored his time at Warsaw so far. Um, in his first season at Newport, he managed to keep them up, you know, sort of massively against the odds. Yeah. Um, in his first season with us, uh, he kept us up when it looked, you know, pretty dicey at one stage uh, when we lost at Scunthorpe away. I think we were a few points off the off the bottom two. Um, and he came in and turned it around after Matt Taylor was sacked. In his second season at Newport, um, he started really well. Then they dropped off one, I think, four of the last 20 games that season um, and finished mid-table, which is, let's be honest, exactly what yeah. um, has happened with us. Um, and then in, in his third season, he took them into the playoffs. So, you know, we're, we're sort of desperately clinging on to the hope that um, he's going to repeat that um, at Warsaw next season. Uh, the, the team should be entirely his players. You know, there won't be any um, legacy players left. He'll be able to shape the team itself hopefully we'll have better luck with injuries and I think you know most fans um are happy to uh let him you know have a have another go next season but if we start poorly you know after the run we've been on this season make no mistake he will be under big pressure um and I think a lot of um you know certainly uh, some fans have been worried that he may you know potentially um, jump ship before he's pushed. Um, not saying that's going to happen, but um, given the Daryl Clark situation when Clark left us um, because he couldn't see us improving and thought Port Vale was a better offer, you wonder whether Flynn, given his, you know, uh, you know, he'd been linked with jobs in the Championship before he joined us, yeah. whether he thinks that it's potentially better for him to go um, and take his chances elsewhere than uh, than continue at Warsaw because we have been a bit of a manager's graveyard in recent years. Well, it's one, isn't it? You don't want to end up in this place where you just have a manager for a season and then you change. You just keep doing that. That's that's why we're quite glad we got Paul Simpson on a free year deal. I mean, we're we're lucky that you know he's a, a hometown lad and it, it, it's just a really good fit for him. And just sometimes you just need something like that, don't you? I guess. But yeah, and if you look back to you know um, our most successful manager, possibly our only successful manager of the last. Um, seven or eight years was uh, Dean Smith, who um, went mm. on a couple of horrendous winless runs, you know, 15 games, 17 games where he didn't win a game. We persevered with him and eventually he came good and we were very unlucky not to go up in uh, to the championship in 2015-16. So again, a little bit of clutching at straws, hoping that um, it can, you know, history will repeat itself and, and Flynn can have the same sort of trajectory as Smith. But the difference, I think, is that under Smith, we saw a manager who knew what he was trying to achieve 
Um, and we saw in the playing style that, you know, we were going for, a, you know, playing a certain way. Yeah. Eventually it came good. Under Flynn, I think a lot of fans are just a little bit worried that, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be uh, a plan at the moment. Yeah. So your season, I think it's fair to say, it's pretty much over in terms of, you know, you've got no realistic hope of a playoff place and you're, you're not in danger of relegation. What's your hopes for the remainder of the campaign and then into the summer ahead? Um, I think a top half finish has to be um, the the priority. I think, you know, as a sort of a, a totem of the season, I think on the pod at the start of the season, we said, um, you know, our objective should be a top half um, finish. Um and then, you know, kick on next season if we can't do better than that. Um, and then, I mean, beyond that, um, testing out um, players, obviously evaluating who's going to get a contract and who isn't. I kind of think Flynn's probably made his mind up, to be honest. But I think the priority has to be winning games at home because we've been so poor in, you know, 2023. They're desperately trying to sell, you know, early bird season tickets for next season to give the club a bit of a cash boost. Um, at the moment, you know, people don't have any incentive to do that, really. The prices have gone up. The, the prices of food and beer have gone up. Um, most clubs posting financial results seem to have um, made losses over the last few years. We know exceptions. So, um, you know, if you're going to if you are going to put prices up, you have to give people something on the pitch um, to come in through the turnstiles for. Uh, and, you know, we need to do that in the next sort of um, seven, eight games, just try and give people a bit of a bit of hope for next season. Yeah. So quickly before we do predictions, just looking ahead to the game on Monday, who are the, <laughs> it sounds a weird thing to say, God, you've had this horrendous run of draws and it's obviously not been too exciting. Who are the danger men to watch out for in your squad? Who are the people we should keep an eye out for? Isaac Hutchinson has just mm-hmm. um, been rewarded for some decent performances this season um, with a new contract. Um, so he's one who will definitely be here um, next season. Um, he's sort of plays in the number 10 role. Um, he's chipped in. I think he's got five goals, five assists this season. So he is a threat. Um, he's been, you know, one of the few bright sparks after after Christmas. Um, Donovan Daniels will probably win player of the season. Um, he's been excellent at the heart of the defence. Um, you know, we, we don't concede many goals. The no, problem no. is we don't we don't score many either. Um, so, um, yeah, b- beyond that, um, it's thin pickings. I think Tom Knowles um, is another one who sort of divides fans, probably should get um, more goals and assists than he does, um, given how often he, uh, he has a shot. Um, he's a live wire, but again, his performances have... Uh, have tailed off um, after Christmas, but um, yeah, they're, they're probably the three the three main players to watch. Well, it's interesting you say about not scoring goals because we had been scoring goals to the last four games, and now we've got four games without scoring. So, um, I'm going to ask what your prediction is now. <laughs> not not pushing you any general direction there, but what 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 do you reckon for the for the game? Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to say a draw. Statistically, yeah. um, <laughs> it's. Uh, it's the result that we that we love at the moment. Um, so yeah, uh, and given you haven't scored for four games, let's go nil nil. I think you're the first person this season to predict a nil nil, and for once, I, I couldn't possibly disagree with the way things are going for us at the moment. It's just the way luck is. Well, Tom, uh, I wish you all the best for the rest of the season after the the game this weekend, um, and I'm just praying that Tom Thomas Hurley doesn't go running out of his box this time and stays back in his area and <laughs> deals with it from that position because. I don't, I don't think he 
lived down that mistake for, for quite a while after that. But uh, he's playing well now, so there you go. It's probably one of the few ways we might actually score on <laughs> uh, on Monday. So, uh, yeah, let's let's wait and see. Cheers, Tom. Yeah, big thanks to Tom there again for um, for giving up his time. It feels a bit of a difference to, to Tramway, doesn't it? In that you feel like there's there's a few decent players still in that Tramway squad, and they maybe just need to add a few additions. They, they brought in those two strikers in January. It didn't quite work out. We'll we'll talk about that when we talk about their squad. But it kind of feels like with the manager they've got in place, if they give him a bit of time, because his first full season at, at, um, at Newport, he struggled a bit there. They, they finished lower mid-table then. So the season after they got in the playoffs. So maybe it's just a case of him rebuilding a bit there, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think that was certainly the case like last summer, I think. that yeah. I, I kind of I think almost like us, really, where this season was a bit of a rebuild and yeah. almost... Ignore your progress this season, but it's next season where you know you're really going to be expecting results. And we've just um, got lucky, haven't we? <laughs> just everything yeah, clicked basically. in there, basically. Just it, we're, we're a year ahead of schedule. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, in terms of that, but there you go. So yeah, this game takes place on uh, Easter Monday. It's a three pm kickoff at uh, the Bescott Stadium. Um, yeah, the Poundland Bescott Stadium. I do apologise to give it its full <laughs> title. What a, what a brilliant uh, bit of a sponsorship that is. Um, I mean, f- fair play. They, they must have got some decent money for it because everyone suddenly goes, oh, the Poland Stadium. Pfft, I don't think they're going to complain if they're getting a decent bit of Wonga for it, but there you go. Mm. Um, yes, so um, we're both going down to this one, aren't we? Yeah. Nice little journey down the M6 because all the trains are knackered on Easter Monday annoyingly, but but there you go. Um, yes, so for this one, referee is Declan Bourne from Nottinghamshire. It's his third season as an EFL referee, and he's taken charge of 24 games so far this season. Handing out 89 yellows and 8 red cards. Mine, word. <laughs> a red card every three games, basically. So, well, it's a shame that, uh, what's his name, may well not be playing. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him. Hayden White. So Hayden White, yeah. Sounds like, yeah, for, if, for those who've... Cause I don't know if people skip the away fan bits sometimes. I do wonder if they... They probably skip our bits, to be honest, and just listen to the away <laughs> fan bits. But Tom did mention the fact that uh, Hayden White, by all accounts, has had a bit of a fallout with uh, Michael Flynn. Uh, he was left out of the match day squad last week, so he might not feature at all in this one. Um, yes, so uh, last season he handed out 97 yellows and two red cards in 24 games. So certainly a lot more popular in terms of his uh, red cards this season. Uh, the last United game he took charge of was a 2-1 win over Tranmere Rovers in the FA Cup at Brunton Park earlier this season. Don't remember anything particularly controversial in that game, so... It's all good. Yeah, that's nice to hear. Uh, head-to-head record is the 66th meeting between the two sides. Uh, United have won 20, 20 have been a draw, and the Saddlers have won 25. So, Mike, let's have a look through there. Sort of, some of the transfers they've done. In, because actually, you look at it, hell of a lot of players coming in the summer, didn't they? Yeah, they had a real exactly. sort of refresh of the squad. Probably hasn't quite had the impact they'd hoped, though, has it? No. Um, yeah, it's been. It's. I mean, it, you you're always going to struggle to get that many players to sort of gel straight away. Yeah. Um, and sort of touched on it before. Maybe this summer they'll just need to sort of touch up around the edges and uh, go again next season. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been bizarre. Obviously. Uh, you know, Joe Riley's injury problems uh, probably didn't help them, but there you go. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that's obviously caused them a few problems. I mean, in terms of the ones they brought in, I mean, the biggest problem they've got is Danny Johnson scored a lot of goals for them, didn't he? Yeah. In January, yeah. 
a big, big part for them. Liam Bennett, by all accounts, who was on loan from Cambridge, has had an excellent first half of the season. And they lost both of them in January, went back to the clubs they were at, and they just couldn't replace them, could they? No, exactly. And 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 you could see that happening a mile off, to be honest. You know, with the Johnson loan, you're on a hiding to nothing. If he doesn't score goals, well, that's no good to anyone. And if he does score goals, he was always going to go back in January, so... I think they tried to sort out a permanent deal, didn't they? But I think Mansfield messed them about a little bit. I think Mansfield looked and thought, was sort of closing in on the um, the playoff places, weren't they? So they were like, yeah. right, let's let's knacker them at the very least and take one of our competitors out of the game. And it worked a treat, you know? And, yeah. and they've barely used Danny. I think he scored twice, I think, since he's gone back, you know? They've, they've not really <laughs> used him because that's, by all accounts, Clough is not a, a massive fan of his now. So it's a strange one, isn't it? But, uh, mm. but there you go. I mean, in terms of the other ones they brought in, I mean... <laughs> Much of the much as you know, Joe Riley's the one obviously that stands out to us, Brandon Comley as well. Um, but the rest of them, yeah, Isaac Hutchinson's done quite well from Derby, he's just signed a new two year deal with them, so I think he's one they really, really like. Uh, Andy Williams has been about the block, but he's certainly getting on now. He's what 36, 37, I think, something like that. So you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's won promotion from this level before, but obviously, it's not really worked out for him so far. And in terms of the, I mean, the, we did say though, the ones that went out, there wasn't really anyone there that you thought, oh god. We're really missing out on him leaving, is there really? It's, it's kind of just like, no. yeah, Oz, Ozadabi may be going to Bradford, but he's not. He's done nothing at Bradford either, so so they're probably not too good about that. And in terms of January ad- additions, that that's where it's interesting, isn't it? Because you lose Danny Johnson and you bring in a strike pair, and you've got forty plus goals between them. Yeah, at this level it's, for the, it's mad the that title Forest Green let him go. Really, it's... Forest Green just seemed to be a really in transition, don't they? They lost. Mm. Three key plays in the summer, last summer, in you know, the, your two fullbacks, Wilson and, um, and, Cadden. and Cadden, yeah. And I think they lost another player, one of the midfielders possibly, and they never really replaced them. And that the, the game was so focused around those wing-backs getting forward. Mm. It was really tough for them, wasn't it? So as a result, the strikers didn't score much. They went out of favour and the new manager clearly didn't fancy them much. And as a result... Jamil Matt's gone on a permanent deal to Forest Green and Matty Stevens is on loan there at the moment. And they've not really had the impact, have they, in terms of uh, what you'd hope for? No, I, th- I think uh, Forest Green had the whole team set up in such a way, you know, with the wing-backs bombing forward and getting balls in the box for them. And I don't think Walsall quite have it set up for them. No, it, it's, it's not really working in that sense so far for them, is it? It's... It's a tough one. So yeah, that, those two came in. I mean, look at the squad again. Very thin in defence. <laughs> There's not a massive amount of options, is there? Really? I mean, mm. uh, Donovan Daniels, I think, is someone that they really rate highly. It sounds like he's going to be their player of the season. So he's someone who's done well. Uh, Osin, uh, Osin, I can't pronounce it. It's a Welsh name, isn't it? Anyway, McKenzie, they got from Newcastle United. He's not really played a huge amount either. So. They've relied heavily on what they've they've had in defence. They lost Liam Bennett, obviously, and then Manny Mont is a big player for them. Again, they've got a good defence. They, they don't concede a huge amount of goals, do they? No. So it, it, it's it's a weird one. Um, into midfield. Well, let's talk about Joe Riley. He's just not had much luck there, has he? No. Uh, it, it didn't even sound like an injury. It was some issue with bone fragments in his knee or something. Yeah, it's kind of one of those injuries that you know that you don't hear about very often, and I think that was yeah. the problem, wasn't it? So it was one of those ones. That you, they're kind of like it's not affecting that badly, but you can't really do anything for months and months, and that's mm. the problem. And he's only just come back recently. And by all accounts, he's looked lively in some of his cameos, but have we missed him? 
no. It's a resounding no, isn't it? It's a very resounding no. I I was a big fan of his, uh, but I mean, some of the players that we've had at right wing back this season, you know, even if you're to look at Jack Ellis, you know, the game time that we've given him and the development that that's given him, I think, has been great for us. He would have stunted Ellis's development potentially there. He would have potentially stunted Charles' development in midfield if he'd gone back to playing in there as well. And I, I think Charles... He's just a bit bigger and stronger, and his set pieces have made a big difference when he's played as well. And it kind of feels like, yeah, it, it was the right. Obviously, we wanted to keep him, but it was the, it wasn't a major loss when he went, was it? Really? So no, exactly. Can't exactly be too good if you. I, I feel sorry for him because, like, I'm sure he's gone there with big expectations to do well, and it's been tough for him. But um, but yeah, hopefully it'll be next season when we're in League One. He'll he'll do well for Walsall in League Two instead, won't we? So, so there you yeah. go. I mean, looking through the rest of them, I mean, there's there's, there's, a, there's some decent experienced players in there, though, isn't it? I mean, Josh Labadee, you know, he's one who always, um, you know, he, he seems to be someone who gets yellow cards more often than even Jaden Harris does, isn't he? Mm. Um, con- constantly seems to be booked or getting suspended for long periods for something naughty. Hasn't he got done for biting in the past? Or have I made that up? I don't know. I bet, you know, I'm going to Google that very quickly because otherwise I'm going to have to edit this out. And you know, the, you know, I, I, I always forget this. Um, right, Josh Labadee biting. Not something I search very often. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. The dagger in midfielder Josh Labadee has been found guilty of violent conduct by the FA following a bite and ban for six months. Thank God for that because that, that <laughs> saved me having to edit that bit out. So yeah, he's been done for biting in the past. So someone who can clearly be easily wound up. So we'll have to see what happens with that at the weekend. But he always yeah. seems to have a good game against us annoyingly, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe start Joe like. Garner for this one then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking actually as well. I mean, even looking in attack with someone we haven't even mentioned, we mentioned all those other attackers. Connor Wilkinson. Mm. You know, and Connor Wilkinson's someone who, you know, he was doing really well at Orient, wasn't he, a couple of seasons ago. Mm. And now you look at him and he, he's struggling to make the impact. He's someone I would have liked us to sign in the past, but... He's been, he's been around. It feels like he's been around for ages, but I think he's only like twenty eight. Yeah, he's not. He's not the oldest. I'm gonna quickly check that while we're talking. So he, he, he's someone yeah, who, yeah, he links up really well, didn't he, in the past with other players. And mm. yeah, it's just well, he, he's a he's a bit he's a big lad, isn't he? So yeah, yeah. I mean, his record: ten goals in thirty three games for Warsaw. It's not too bad, but that's stretching back to twenty twenty one. So it just tells you he's had problems with injuries, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah, he's not he's not quite made the impact he probably would have hoped for in his career so far. But there you go. Um, yeah, in, in terms of talking points about that, I mean, the, we talked about goals being a problem for um, Tranmere. The problem for Walsall is they can't stop drawing games. Mm. It's it's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? They don't lose that many in the last sixteen games. They've they've won just once, but they've only lost four. The other eleven games have been draws. You know, there was. I think they had a run about five or six draws in a row at one point. Mm. Um, the, other, the other day, they're probably glad with a draw in the last game though, because they drew one-one with uh, Walsall fans to a ninety-fifth minute. Uh, sorry, drew Walsall. They drew with Sutton one-one uh, thanks to a ninety-fifth minute uh, equaliser. So they'll probably be happy with that point. I think it's fair to say. Um, but yeah, prior prior to um, that run of you know the sixteen games, they went on a run of nine games with one defeat, two draws, and six wins. So they were capable of putting the results together. But again, that's when they had Danny Johnson in the team. They were clearly built around getting results there, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, just just a bit frustrating, I suppose, in that sense. Um, him going back to Mansfield in, in January really killed this season. And you kind of feel like 
Michael Finn's probably already planning, isn't he, for next season at the moment, I'd have, I'd have thought. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Seems the obvious thing, doesn't it? But there you go. Um, right, uh, let, let, let's talk about United then, Mike, um, injury-wise. So we now know from Simo's post-match interview, sorry, pre-match interview uh, earlier today, that that's curtains for the season for Morgan Feeney, probably, and definitely for Finn back, isn't it? Yeah, which is really unfortunate. Um, I think Ellis should hopefully be fit. He's well, been training for a couple of weeks now. He played, he played for the youth team, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. for, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I think he's fit. I think I'd probably put him in ahead of senior, and that's not a slight on senior. I just feel like defensively he's going to offer us a little bit more at the moment. And I think with Feeney being out and Barkley having to come back in as well, it might be a good idea to have someone who's a little bit more of that sort of thinking in that position. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, because there would be a little bit of concern, big crowd with Ellis, because he still is only young, but he played absolutely fine last season away at Bradford in front of a massive crowd, so uh, nothing really seems to phase him, does it? So, And a local lad, the fans will get behind him as well, that's what you'd think, wouldn't you? So that, that, yeah. I think that could really give him a lift. I'd, I'd personally pick him, but we'll, we'll talk about the team selection in a second. Other than that injury, well, see, we'll mention Finn back actually briefly, I mean, just such rotten luck to... You know that to happen for him, and I just really hope we can maybe get him back on loan next season. That's the real hope, isn't it? And uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it looks like potentially twelve to sixteen weeks out. So hopefully, he'll be back for pre-season training. But it, it, it looks tight potentially if it's that long. Twelve weeks, maybe he'll be back for the start of pre-season. But yeah, yeah, not great for Finn. Um, with Morgan, obviously, he's out of contract in the summer, and I'm hoping that now he's out injured, we'll just sit down and say, right, let's get you get your deal sorted. For the summer, because that could give the squad a real lift as well. Actually, getting that announced before the end of the season, yeah, knowing that he's going to be here, so that's the hope. I mean, f- fingers crossed. I mean, personally, I think he is too good for this level. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, In, it's, injuries are maybe the only concern with him, though, isn't it? Because he does pick up a few, so he's not been too bad last season. Half, but... Well, yeah, he's been all right for us before he signed for us. He picked up a few, uh, yeah. but yeah, I'd, I'd really look at, at tying him down. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so in terms of injuries, Dickinson's probably about a month away, we reckon, still, maybe. Might yeah. be a little bit sooner, though. He's been out on the grass, and Dixon, once he was out on the grass and back to actually playing reserve games, it wasn't that long, was it? It was actually a lot no. quicker than you'd have thought. So maybe, maybe the last couple of games he'd be fit, which, you know, yeah, he's probably not going to be involved, but it gives you another option, doesn't it, potentially? Mm-hmm. So for the playoffs, especially if we're playing in them, that'd be fantastic to have him back for that. Uh Toby Show Silver, still about one to two months, probably looks like his season's over. We've already said this, haven't we? And then we'll see them yeah. feeding him back. And other than that, everyone's fit, aren't they? So, yeah. plenty to choose from. I mean, big opportunity, isn't it, really? Against two sides that are firmly in mid table. No chance of playoffs, no chance of going down. Got to take advantage of the big crowd for this game, haven't we? For both games, actually, because well, it should be a big following down at Walsall. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, team selection wise, defence, um, who comes in for back and feeding then for you? Um, I think for Tranmere, I would start senior because he just offers that okay. bit more going forward and yeah. it's a home game. Uh, and I feel like when you've... Well, this kind of leads into into the uh, into the Feeney one, uh, but I'd probably play Whelan for yeah. Feeney uh, purely because, and you touched on this earlier, yeah. is that um, Barkley can't play against Stockport. So yeah. I'd like us to maybe get a bit of a settled back three before that game rather than put Barkley in and then have to take him out for that game. Yeah. I I I am I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I want 
I want Whelan to play at least one of these games because I think it'd be good just to keep him fresh and ticking over because he will have to come in for that game against, um, uh, what do you call them, against um, Stockport. Um, unless we go to a back four for that game, maybe change it up slightly. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think I'd probably play Barkley for the game against uh, Tromir. Maybe if you know if we can get ourselves into a lead, bring Wheeling on later on just to, to keep him ticking over. Mm. Again, I'd probably yeah say I played Wheeling at Walsall, and then for the other two, I play I play Ellis at wing back for both games personally. That, mm. that would be my choice. The rest of the defensive back, you know, keep pick themselves, don't they? Really, there's yeah. no change there. Midfield, do you stick with the three, or is it time to twist? Uh, we mentioned about the final ball and decision making being poor. What? Would you maybe bring Devitt in? Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, if we're going to carry on playing the three as we have done, playing Mox and Guy and playing Devitt that bit further forward. Uh, I think he's been patient. And past few games, Gibson and McCalman haven't been McCalman doing... had a good game against Orient, though. Everyone raised about how well he played in that game. You know, he came off as a sub again in that one, but... Yeah. Um, although I'd rather have McCalman's pressing for Walsall. Yeah. I, I think I'd agree with that. I think I'd maybe... I'd love Devitt to play, but I don't think he's going to bring him out of the call for this. Um, I mm. think what... I I go back to... I think he should have played at Gillingham and he should have rested Moxon for that one onto the mm. bench. But that's been and gone now. I think I'd play Gibson ahead of McCallum for this one. I just feel like a little bit more creative attacking flair in those that final third. You can potentially switch to playing the, the front three. And um, we'll talk about forwards in a minute, but even whoever we play in the front three, I think you can then switch to a front three if you need to. Yeah. Um. You can go. F- you can even go four three three possibly if you push Melch into midfield and then push Gibson to one of the wings. That's why I'd probably go with Gibson. So I want to give us as many options as possible for this game to to really get something from it. Mm. Um. Into attack, which two are you going to go for? I would go for Dennis, and I'd yeah. go for Patrick as well. And oh, that might be it. the controversial one, but he, he likes to play in front of a crowd. He likes, and when he's beating his man and getting the crowd going, I think we could really do with a bit of that. Okay, no, no, that's that's that, that's fair enough. And to be fair, he had a good game against Barrow, I suppose, with the crowd, didn't he? Mm. You could say so. That, 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 that's a fair point. No, that, I'd go with Dennis as well. Definitely, I think I think most people in agreement stick with Dennis at the moment, and I'd probably play Edmondson with him. And I'd stick yeah. with those two for a little bit, but I'd not be against Patrick. And I, I can understand why somebody want Patrick out of the team then because he his confidence doesn't look hundred percent there at the moment. That said, he's still trying to create stuff. He's still getting involved. Mm. Yeah, he's not he's not shirking in that sense. So, so yeah, interesting to see how he um, how he lines up, isn't it? Really, in, in terms of that, um, in terms of subs, would you freshen things up a little bit in there? Or would you sort of stick with it? I mean, I'd keep Devitt on there definitely. I think it, the only question is whether you bring Gordon back in maybe for Devitt, possibly. I suppose. Yeah, it's weird, really, because Gordon seems to kind of been outcast a little bit mm. in more recent weeks. I don't know what's going on there. Um, Just but... not kicking on, is he? Really, it's, it's a shame he had such a good start and he's never really quite grasped the chances he's had since maybe that first six weeks or so. Yeah, uh, I mean, personally, I think striker-wise, you know, whichever two we do play, it wouldn't surprise me if we played a different two altogether at Walsall, just yeah. purely for fresher legs. Um, yeah. But, I mean, we've got so many options that if they're players who are on the bench, they can bring a lot to the team bringing them on. Yeah. 
definitely. Right, predictions time. Mike, what are you going to go for? for let, let's do them both in one go. So, so for if Tramier... I can, let, tell, tell you what, go Tramir first, actually, because I'll have to do Dan separately. So go, go with Tramir first. Yeah, so for Tramir, I'm going to go for a big... I'll go for a 3-0 win, and I'll yeah. go for goals from Dennis, Moxon, and Huntington. Okay, right. Um, I'm going to go... I just feel if we can get an early goal on this one, I think it'll drive the team on and we'll be confident. I know Tramier haven't conceded many goals, but I just feel like that big crowd will really give us a lift. So I'm going to go 4-0. Ooh. I, know it's, I know it's hopelessly optimistic, but 4-0. Um, and I think Dennis, Moxon, McCallman, and Jack Ellis. Let's have a Jack Ellis goal. From out of nowhere. Yeah, let's go with that. Right. Here's Dan's uh, prediction for Tromby. Uh Today before the game, the club have just announced 10,500 home tickets sold. Tranmere probably got day. about six, 700 coming. So you're probably looking at about 12,000 in Brunton Park. Uh, typically, I'm working on the bank holiday, no chance of getting it off. So I'm going to go for a 3-0 win in front of 12,000 with goals from Christian Dennis, Ryan Edmondson and Owen Moxon. We're all going for fairly So if Christian Dennis and Moxon score, we've all got points there anyway. It all just depends on the final score and who the other goal scorers are. So yeah, we spread it out quite a bit there, haven't we? Yeah. Walsall, Mike, then, what are you going for? Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. And I'll go for goals from Joe Garner. I think I saw mm-hmm. Garner score at Walsall years ago uh, yeah. in the green away kit. Uh, <laughs> I'll go for uh, a goal from Ryan Edmondson as well. 2 0 Dennis Brace. There you go, straight to the point on that one. Right, here's Dan's prediction for Walsall. <sighs> Tricky one, this, because Walsall haven't really got anything to play for, but they're at home, so they'll want to do all right. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we got a point here, but I'm going to go for a, a sneaky 2-1 win, bit of revenge for the uh, FA Cup game. And I'm going to go for Christian Dennis. He's going to score again. He's going to go on a run that's going to lead us to promotion, hopefully. And the other one, we'll go for a, a Jack Armour Howitzer, 25-yard top corner. <laughs> Howitzer. He's already got one of them this season. He's not getting another one, Dan. Let's be realistic here. There you go. Right, thank you, Dan, for your predictions there. Uh, in fact, we do? before we do the... Um... The X Files. We have a try and think if we can try and guess who this answer is to Dan's question. I've been thinking. I cannot think at all. It's a belter, isn't it? It's a real belter. Yeah. It's it's not going to be someone that old. That's the thing. What I'm trying to think, right? So, I mean, Ziga and Ronaldo never played for both clubs. David Raven didn't play for Walsall. Walsall. Who have we signed? He's played for Walsall in recent seasons. I mean, Simo played for Walsall, but he didn't play that many games. He only played six games. I think in a loan mm. spell. I haven't got it. I think we're just no. going to have to do the answer, aren't we? So yeah, here's yeah. an answer to what I think is a belting question from Dan. And the answer is Ray Train, one of the mainstays of our mid-70s team under Alan Ashman. Well, there you go. So me saying, oh, it's going to be someone fairly recent. It was, couldn't have gone back much further. Really, <laughs> Might as well name Bob Kelly or someone like that instead, but there you go. Right, uh, let's wrap things up, Mike, then. Let's do the X-Files section. Um, no midweek ones. Fairly quiet. Just basically the weekend goals, wasn't it? Last weekend, but there's a few mm. to, to cover. Um, 
Brad Potter and Jerry Yates, they both scored in the Lancashire derby between Preston and Blackpool. But it was Potsy, he'll be happier, won't it? So his PNE side, they won 3 1 in this game, didn't they? Mm. Blackpool look knackered, don't they? Looks like they're going on to League One next season. Yeah, hopefully we'll be joining them. That, that's the dream, isn't it? That's the dream away day for next season, I would say. Although I feel you nailed it on to play them on like New Year's Eve, Boxing oh, Day. Boxing Day, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's not get too excited, shall we? <laughs> um, Jack Marriott got a brace for Fleetwood Town in their 2 2 draw at home against Exeter City. Uh, Dinel Simeu, he scored in the wrong net uh, in a 5 0 defeat for Morecambe at Barnsley. Looks like Morecambe are going down, doesn't it? So mm. hopefully we'll pass him in the different direction, is what we're hoping, isn't it? But mm. um, yeah. It, they've just collapsed, haven't they? It looked like they were comfortable and sort of pulling themselves away, but it's all just yeah. gone wrong for them. And Cole Stockton just not scoring goals this season. I, I think they made a huge mistake there not cashing in on him. Yeah. I think it was like 300 grand they were offered or I, something. I don't... I, even if it was like 100, take it. Yeah. yeah. You can use that to rebuild. And, and realistically, you've probably got the best season out of his career from him. Mm. Just, just take the chance, but there you go. I'd never get decisions some clubs make but Alex Gilead and Andy Cook they both scored in Bradford City's 3-2 win over Grimsby Town uh, Cook's goal came I think with like nine minutes to go which so frustrating that you were looking to think of Grimsby getting a nick a point yeah that's a good result and then yep there you go so it's getting very tight in the playoffs now uh, Adam Campbell what a weekend he had he scored the opening goal from the spot in Gated's dramatic 3-3 draw with Barnett in the FA Trophy semi-finals I think Barnett equalised an injury time with this as well and, and then <laughs> Barnett, uh, sorry, Gates had nearly got another penalty, but it was a free kick right on the edge of the box that they were given, which they didn't score from. Went to penalty shootout, and he scored the first spot kick in the 4-2 uh, win to earn them a place at Wembley in the final. So well done to Gateshead and Adam Campbell there. And finally, Gavin Riley. He's uh, netted for the second successive game as he helped Stendhal Smeor to a 2-1 win at Dumbarton. And that's it, Mike, isn't it? Yeah. Bump, bump episode this. I think we'll push it. I think it actually will eclipse two hours. Probably for the first time ever that. So, yeah, this this will be a fun one for anyone driving up from, you know, the sort of Lancashire, Manchester area, which is not us listening to it, by the way. We're not going to listen to ourselves for two hours. When we're driving <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you, everyone, for who's got this far. I appreciate it. It is a very long episode, but there was a lot to fit in. And, we were, yeah, we were kind enough to get opposition fans of both clubs to speak to us. So we thought we had to include them both. So, uh, so there you go. Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, we've got a preview for the... Well, it's going to be a massive game against Northampton and another massive game against Stockport, isn't it? In the two home yeah. games in a row coming up. Well, they're, they're all cup finals now, aren't they? They are, but you look at it, seven games remaining, four of them at home. And then other than Tramir, the, the other three are against teams around us. Get results in them, you go up. Simple mm. as that, isn't it, really? Yeah. And then your three away games, I, I think I'd argue are all winnable, really, from what's, mm. what's left. But ooh, we'll have to see what happens with those. Um Yes, we've got those coming up and uh, and yeah, we'll start planning for what we're doing for the end of the season. And I will be putting out a listener survey in the next month or so just to get some of your views on, on the podcast, what, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, what you'd like to see a bit more of. And we're going to start planning for next season. We're going to start looking to get more people involved next season because it, it's a bit of a strain sometimes, isn't it, Mike, for, for you and Dan? Because we have to sort of work around your rotors at work. And yeah. there's some weeks where we're struggling and Greg has been very kind to step in on a couple of occasions this season. So we maybe want to try and get more people on because I, I feel like the best episodes we do are the ones where there's three of us on, rather than just me and you or me and mm. Dan talking, isn't it? I think they're the ones where we get a bit more good chat out of them, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Right, Mike, thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining me. I'll be seeing you in about maybe 
12, 14 hours time or so, I think. Yeah. To go to the game. Can't, can't wait for it. Really can't. I'm so excited for this. Going to be a big crowd. Let's just hope the Blues turn up. Thanks everyone for listening and up the Blues. Up the Blues.